Um, Mary, will you read it first? Because my son is actually like losing it, and he's probably about to screech again. So it's probably no good for me reading it first. Sure, I'll read. You read chapter one. Sure. Okay. Wait, before we do that, uh, we need to pray. Let's do it. Yeah, we need to pray first. So, um, who would like to lead in prayer tonight? Aaron, Josh, Dad, would you want to like to lead? Speak now, forever hold your peace. I got. All right. Good. You ready? Mm-hmm. Father Yahweh, we come before you humbly uh, today, and just thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath that you bless us with. Um, thank you for growing this family abroad, and um, just help us understand your word, Father, and help us grow in grace and in knowledge of your truth, and and help us grow in wisdom. Um, every day, just help us and mold us into being in the image of your Son. And we know that it takes a little bit of time through sanctification. And um, we pray all these things through your son, Yeshua, high priest and king. Amen. Okay. Leviticus chapter 1. And Yah called unto Moshe and spoke unto him out of the tabernacle of the assembly, saying, Speak unto the children of Yasharel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto Yah, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be an ascending smoke sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yah. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the ascending smoke offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill, kill the bullock before Yah, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And he shall flay the ascending smoke offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water. And the priests shall burn all on the altar to be an ascending smoke sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yah. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for an ascending smoke sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before Yah, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. And he shall cut it into his pieces with his head and his fat, and the priests shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priests shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is an ascending smoke sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yah. And if the ascending smoke sacrifice for his offering to Yah be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out on the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast aside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. And he shall cleave it with the, rings, with the wings thereof that shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is an ascending smoke sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yah. Okay. Thank you. So would you like to bring up something first, Mary? And he's got her hand up. Go, Jenny. Is that a new so, so it's still, 
that they're like with the foul, they're supposed to ring their like ring off their head. So, so that's like I'm struggling because we're, I know we're not supposed to eat things strangled. So it's not strangling them actually; it's just breaking their neck. Um, where it's like a, it's like honestly, it's the cleanest way to kill a bird. Um, I've actually because the bird we killed, we use a knife, take his head off, and it's. I think it'd be better just to go ahead and rank because the problem is their bodies will convulse for a while. After if you have children, I probably should not have them listening in on this. I'm just saying. Um, they're they will convulse a little bit when you're draining the blood out. I do find it's a lot easier to if you're to break the neck and then take the head off and let the blood drain out. Either way, you can let the blood drain out. I think what the, the whole strangling meat came from was they would literally strangle it, kill it, and not drain the blood, and they'd eat the blood in it still. I think that's where a lot of that came from. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But go ahead, Dad. That's what I was getting ready to say is you know here they're they're wringing the blood out but what the pagans were doing was strangling it and and drinking eating the meat there. with the blood in it because life's in the blood they weren't they weren't letting the blood out so, and some of them were drinking the blood so also like well the from my understanding this is a gift right basically the burnt offering is just a gift that he was given to Yahweh so I would think that this would be like this is kind of where you would get blessed in a way that you're giving your if you take your first lot right because it's go back to the can and abel right um abel i mean oh uh, yeah abel gave the best of his flock the first fruits of his flock whatever and cain did not he did not give the first fruits he gave the the lesser half of it right when you get the better half to yahweh which just comes down to our spiritual sense too when you get the better half to our father in return, he'll bless you with it. So that's what I see is we can, like, and even today, like, me and my wife talked about um, giving, like, a sacrifice of our, our animals today as far as you sell the first bit, like, of your, like, the first flock. So we, like, hatch whatever our chickens and give it to charity, you know, and that would be, like, a sacrifice to the father to do good with what he blessed us with. So you get the best of the best. Is there anything else anyone wants to bring up in here? I guess I'll pick up the next chapter. So this is the grain offering. When anyone presents a grain offering as a gift to the Lord, his gift must consist of fine flour. He is to put olive oil on it, but frankincense on I mean, put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest will take a handful of fine flour and oil from it, alone with all its frankincense, and will burn this memorial portion on it on the altar. A fire fire offering of pleasing aroma to the lord but the rest of the grain offering will belong to aaron his sons it is the holiest part of the fire offering to the lord when you present a grain offering baked in an oven it must be made of fine flour either unleavened cakes mixed with oil or unleavened water wafers coated with oil if your gift is in the grain offering prepared for on a griddle it must be unleavened bread made of fine flour mixed with oil break into two pieces and pour oil on it it is a grain offering if your gift is a grain offering prepared in a pan it must be made of fine flour with oil when you bring to the lord the grain offering made in any of these ways it is to be presented to the priest and he will take it to the altar 
the priest will remove the memorial proportion from the grain offering and the and burn it on the altar a fire offering of pleasing aroma to the lord but the rest of the grain offerings to belong to aaron and his sons it is the holiest part of the fire offering to the lord no grain offering that you present to the lord is to be made with yeast for you are not to burn any yeast of honey as fire off as a fire offering to the lord you may present them to the Lord as an offering of first fruits, but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Um, you are to season each of your grain offerings with salt. You must not omit from your grain offering the salt of the covenant with your God. You are to present salt with each one of your offerings. If you present a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you must present fresh heads of grain, crushed kernels, roasted on the fire. For your grain offering of first fruits, you are to put oil and frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest will then burn some of the crushed kernels and oil with all its frankincense as a fire offering to the Lord. Does anybody want to speak or have any questions about that that he just read? Do all the grain offerings get burnt up or or no? I can't like figure that out. I'm not sure 100 percent on that one. I don't. I don't think so. It says a portion, right? Sometimes it's just yeah. a handful. Yeah. So, can you get? So you can bring um, bread like matzah, like already made, or you can bring your green, like right, like raw. Either way, right? Green. I believe so. In verse, in verse ten, it says that the rest that's left over should be given to Aaron and his sons. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. That's their so that, that was something they were talking about in synagogue today was how much it actually is. And it's like you take three fingers and grab it and then they like pour it into their hands. I'm not sure exactly because he wasn't showing Randy. It was just showing Chris's face like normal. Um, but it's like three fingerfuls and then another three. And, and like that ends up being the three fingerfuls amount basically can fit into your palm. And that's what ends up on the altar, and then the rest goes to the priesthood. That's my understanding. That's generally how I read it. Yeah, same. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Why would they put frankincense on it? Frankincense is a um, a oil that's linked to spiritual um, stuff. Like so. Oh my gosh. Hold on. I'll find my book and I'll read it to you. It's got some frankincense and myrrh oil. <laughs> Very woodsy smell. My husband's going to get my book because I know there there is a uh, that so frankincense, cinnamon, like olive oil, all these things are like real, uh, for lack of a better term, like sentimental to the father, but they do have spiritual meanings. It's so does so does salt. He's going to get my book for me so I can tune in because I can't remember everything. <laughs> I wish I could. Did, did somebody say it was like uh, it's like a wood? Is it almost like a? like ginger is a root isn't frankincense something like that because i have a a bottle of oils frankincense and sometimes i'll like i'll be out there i'll be out there from, frankincense is from the tree bark and then the myrrh is actually like the sap or whatever yeah because sometimes i'll be out there in my shop and have a kerosene heater and i'll throw a couple of drops of that oil on there and it'll smoke up and make my, my shop smell like uh like I've been woodworking in there. Yeah, and what's really interesting about like frankincense and myrrh together, that's what they would use to like embalm 
people basically after they died. What was the three gifts the wise men brought? Frankincense, myrrh, uh -huh. and gold. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm sorry, the wise men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they brought I don't three know gifts. how many. <laughs> Ooh, Winnie, check this out. So uh, in the Strong's Concordance, frankincense is eight. It's H three eight two eight, and it's Labona, like, like. Okay, like so a cedar of Lebanon. From its whiteness, <laughs> and it says from its whiteness, or perhaps that of its smoke, incense, frankincense. But it reminds me of the word. What is that? Le Lebanon. Lebanon. That yeah, no, not Lebanon. It's le just Lebanon, wasn't it? When we were studying. Oh, Lubin. And then it's Laban. Laban, yeah. Lebanon, and it's saying from its whiteness, or perhaps that of its smoke. So it's an, it, it, it adds to the incense, I'm assuming. Oh. It's just, though. Let me see if there's another one. Sorry, I'll go Probably ahead. Probably smoke's real good. <laughs> right? Well, the incense <laughs> that, that God told Moses to make includes frankincense. It says in Exodus 30, 35, you shall make it. Uh, these shall all be of equal weight. Um, stack, anika, galbanum. Make a spice compound, the handiwork of a perfumer, thoroughly mixed, pure, and holy. You shall grind some of it finely and place it, some of it, before the testimonial tablets in the tent of meeting. Uh, dang it, dang it. Where was I just reading it? Yeah, uh, pure frankincense is a part of that mixture. Hey, this is Mary. Can I say something? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm hey. calling you. Uh, huh? I was oh, going to okay. call on you. No, I just want to say uh, frankincense and myrrh um, are great for um, our nervous, central nervous system, which would make sense that would be, you know, a favorite of God's because it's part of our very makeup that it helps to um, heal and um, keep flowing. All right, go ahead, Jenny. Okay, so, so frankincense is the oil of truth. Uh, it reveals deceptions and false truth. It invites individuals to let go of lower vibrations, lies, deceptions, and negativity. This oil helps create new perspectives based on light and truth. Frankincense recalls to memory spiritual understanding, gifts, wisdom, and knowledge the soul brought into the world. It is a powerful cleanser of spiritual darkness. Frankincense assists in pulling the scales of darkness from the eyes, the barriers from the mind, and the walls from the heart. Through connecting the soul with its inner light, this oil reveals the truth. Frankincense supports in creating a healthy attachment to one's father. It assists in spiritual awakening and helps an individual feel the father love of the divine. This book sucks, but anyway. Uh, when, the, when one has felt abandoned or forgotten, frankincense reminds them that they are loved and protected. While this oil is incredibly powerful, it is also gentle like a loving father who nurtures, guides, and protects. Frankincense shields the body and soul from negative influences and assists the soul in its spiritual evolution. Enhancing practices of prayer and meditation, this oil opens spiritual channels that allow an individual to connect to God. Through the light and power of frankincense, the individual can draw closer to divinity, mas healthy masculinity, and the grandeur of the true self. Um, it helps with abandonment, spiritual, spiritually disconnected, distant from father, unprotected, and spiritual darkness type emotions. Um, it helps to enlighten 
So help people love, protect it, helps with wisdom, discernment, spiritually open and connected with Father. Um, and it has, yeah, Mary was saying it has health benefits. Um, it's a resin. Um, it, 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 it's an immune, um, uh, immunostimulant, anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antidepressant, and restorative. Um, and meditation, prayer, and focus is on here for good uses. Um, it helps you from getting from feeling separated to feeling unified. It's like so amazing um, with all the health stuff. Like, yeah. So isn't it cool that the three wise men were sent to find, you know, or however many there were, Mm -hmm. um, they had a mission to go get Jesus or find him, right? And they fell on their knees when they got there. But initially it was to get intel. It wasn't a good mission. You know, they weren't like looking to go worship Jesus. And so, but yet when they got there, they had the gifts that, the father says, this will help you spiritually. You won't feel abandoned. I'm here for you, son, Jesus. You know, I think that's pretty amazing. I think it's also Did a testament. I think it's amazing. Yeah, too. it does. It does. And it's also a testament to what the power of going to the temple would have been on a daily basis if you were somebody who lived in Jerusalem and you could attend in the morning for service because they burn that incense twice daily. Mm-hmm. Imagine feeling the spirit moving there. So that was awesome. So both myrrh and frankincense are resin, like sap, basically. And frankincense, like, gets hard, like little tiny rocks almost. Um, and it's like really hard for um, them to get. Like people get bit by snakes. Like there's snakes that live in these trees that grow out of the side of the mountains, and like they go down to get this resin and people can get killed basically by these poisonous like vipers that live in these trees it's crazy it's hard to um to collect so if you can buy frankincense for ten dollars that ain't pure frankincense (laughs) i'm just gonna let you know now (laughs) your frankincense costs ten dollars take it back (laughs) it ain't all frankincense (laughs) it is heavily dollar with who knows what. If you didn't have to hang off the side of a mountain and fight snakes for it, I don't want it. <laughs> Listen, in my opinion, I, I am not hanging off no side, no nothing. To Can get, I no do it? In, it only like grows in the Middle East. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of down for it. I don't want it. <laughs> These all are right, all we'll jokes. Send, we'll send the men to do it. In my book um, on myrrh, it says that myrrh means bitter, and it was referred to in the Bible as the balm of Gilead. It was given as a gift to the Christ child and also presented at his death to be used prior to burial. And it helps you go from feeling disconnected to nurtured. Right, but it also stimulated his central nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's anti-inflammatory, antiviral, antimicrobial. Yep. It's an expectorant, which is like what mucinex does for you. Um, anti-infectious, and then what is that? Carminative? Carminative? I don't know what that word is. Um, and then antifungal, and it blends well with frankincense. Is it also called gall bomb or gall bottom? I'm just curious. I have no idea. Okay. Is that one of the, the that would be really interesting because gall 
This is, is the usually is that backwards or is that okay? Can y'all see that? Is it backwards? No, 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 no you good. Okay. I'm just asking because when I looked up the incense, that's one of the things that they have a commentary on, and it says it has a foul aroma. But uh, part of the reason that it was used is that is so that uh, non-observant people would still be kept in the prayers of the Jewish people. Meaning, like if you had family or other people that had left, you were still. It, it was a scent that would immediately make you think of people who weren't in God and still pray for them. Even the dead. <laughs> No, not the dead, just okay. people that, like, weren't a part of Israel or that had been a part and had left. Okay, I'll plug. No, uh... no, 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 no. <laughs> not, uh... not that weren't around in that way. Not that weren't around in that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, well... David, I looked it up to answer your question about the galbanum and the myrrh. They're, they are <sighs> different things they're not the same okay thank you you're welcome well um who would like to read chapter three and whoever wants to go with me we can go get let's go get some frankincense we'll get some snake shot and we will uh, we'll have I, have, I have frankincense um myrrh combination that i use for my feet i've read mary's read anybody else want to read chapter three i volunteer as tribute okay <laughs> Chapter three, buddy. All right. Good old Leviticus. Uh, by the way, I'm reading out of the art scroll, the Jewish Bible. So you're going to hear Hashem. Um, That's fine. If his, offer, if his offering is a feast peace offering, if he offers it from the cattle, whether male or female, unblemished, shall he offer it before Hashem. He shall lean his hands upon the head of his offering and slaughtered at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, shall throw the blood upon the altar all around. From the feast peace offering, he shall offer as a fire offering to Hashem the fat that covered the innards, and all the fat that is upon the innards, and the two kidneys with the fat that is upon them, that is upon the flanks. And he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver, with the kidneys. The sons of Aaron shall cause it to go up in smoke on the altar besides the burnt offering that is on the wood that is on the fire, a fire offering, a satisfying aroma to Hashem. If his offering to Hashem is a feast peace offering from the flock, male or female, unblemished, shall he offer it. If he offers a sheep as his offering, he shall bring it before Hashem. He shall lean his hands upon the head of his offering and slaughter it before the tent of meeting, and the sons of Aaron shall throw its blood upon the altar all around. From the feast peace offering, he shall offer as a fire offering to Hashem its choicest part, the entire tail. He shall remove it above the kidneys and the fat that covers the innards and all the fat that is upon the innards and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them that is upon the flanks. And he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver, with the kidneys. The Kohen shall cause it to go up and smoke on the altar. It is the food of the fire for Hashem. If his offering is a goat, he shall bring it before Hashem. He shall lean his hands upon its head and slaughter it before the tent of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall throw its blood upon the altar all around. He shall bring his offering from it as a fire offering to Hashem. The fat that covers the innards and all the fat that is upon the innards. 
and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them. That is upon the flanks and he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver with the kidneys. The Kohen shall cause them to go up and smoke on the altar, the food of the fire for a satisfying aroma, all the choice parts for Hashem, and an eternal decree for your generations in all your dwelling places. You may not consume any fat or any blood. I want to bring up something right here. So towards the end, when I caught the other night when I was reading, reading through this, is uh, so the kidneys, right? The kidneys and um with the liver and all those different things brought up on fire and i see it because kidneys were like the filter the filtration system wasn't liver liver too correct they they kind of filter mm -hmm. things out so it would make sense that he would say not to eat those things because they filter and also um you know when you lose weight and everything your fat has toxins in it correct so you have to constantly when you're losing come here baby I know. It's okay. Come here. But the fat, right? Um, has toxins in it, and when you're supposed to fast and detox your body to get them toxins out. So. Yeah, find the interesting is just the liver, the fat, kidneys specific ones. Livers for cleansing too. And anything else, just those specific organs, in the fat. Well, your lymphatic system holds a lot of secondary waste too. It's it's kind of like a um, firewall, so to speak, before it gets to the rest of you. Or you know what I'm saying? Right. Made up of your lymph system. I'm hoping that this ties in somehow and it doesn't sound random. I'm sorry. I'm in my head That's sometimes. Good point. <laughs> while, you're, while you're over there That's in your point. head, I'm thinking, why do people eat liver? If that like filters <laughs> the blood and we're not supposed to eat the blood. Yeah. Right. Like, I've even talked to some Jewish people who think that liver is kosher, and I don't see how you can make that kosher. That is a no, a hard no for me. I was actually reading, sorry to interrupt. I was actually reading, I think it was in Deuteronomy or something, and it was actually talking about the organs that you can't eat, and liver, I think, was in that. It was like the liver, the stomach, um, the tail. Those are all, um, like, parts that you can't eat. So they weren't lying to you. <laughs> So some of it is probably not all entirely just for health reasons, because from a health perspective, a nutrition standpoint, things that have the most blood flow are actually going to be the most nutrient rich, your heart, your kidneys, your liver. And actually, these are things that people who have like iron deficiency anemia consume to kind of try and help with that uh, deficiency. However, like some things, for instance, wool and linen being combined, we see that that is what is used to create the temple curtain. That is used what it, to create the high priest garb. Um, you even see that it says that there is wool. It's, it specifically says wool as far as uh, zitzit. And so I think there's a possibility of a holy combination there. And so it simply might be that it is also just set apart for God because it, as it does say in the scripture, it is the choicest. Which makes it go into, I'm thinking a lot deep here, which makes me think about, okay, the blood back to you, what you said, Mary, about the liver. Um, so if blood can't come totally out of liver, how in the world is it going to come out completely within the muscles or anything? We shall, we all should be vegan, seriously, 
Because, like, the Garden of Eden. Um, because there's no way you can drain the blood completely out of a, Salt. a tissue. Funny you brought that up because my husband and I have actually talked a lot and have been considering working our way to the Eden diet, which is no meat. But we, we're not there yet. I love animals too much, though. It, it, it more or less has to do with, like, for me, it's my love for animals. Like, if I can't kill it myself, I shouldn't be eating it. <laughs> and I can't kill an animal. I yeah, guess, I like, my too. only thing with that is, like, why would God say, like, we can eat those if we aren't supposed to? And we, we can. There, there is a kosher way of slaughtering an animal and draining the blood. Um, now, uh, I believe that cooking your meat probably gets more blood out of it. But when it's kosher, when it's drained and slaughtered, in a kosher manner or a proper manner as the according to the bible then it it should get all of the blood out of it or the majority of the blood out of it i i can't say this i'm sorry go ahead i'll coach let's coach um just real quick i would like to say and point out that there is a lot of farmers out there that do correctly slaughter animals and drain everything properly um I don't think it really, there's so many regulations on it now. And my wife was actually, she was an ag and all that. She was really into the FFA and like vice president and all that. She got to go witness a lot of this stuff and see these things and how they actually process things. And a lot of it was done in a very clean and um, fashionable manner. Like it was done right, you know? So keep that in mind that a lot of these farmers, cause I know that um, there's a lot of hate on farmers that, oh, these guys are over here doing this, these, these chickens or this. Now, honestly, um, if you go to a chicken house, whether, you know, have laying chickens or chickens or you know, slaughter, um, and they keep in these big run houses, right? And they're like, oh, you see them all closed up together. Well, actually, no. Half of them, um, like in the mornings when they come in there, they'll actually be stacked on top of each other because they don't like to be away from each other because they like to be really close to each other. So actually, that room that they give them is actually a lot of room. A lot of people think it's inhumane what they're doing, but in all aspects, when you look at it, they're actually, that's the way they like to be. They like to actually be close to each other. Like they don't like to be far away from each other and they like to be in a safe area. So really people looking at birds and all these different things, the way they do it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a few bad farms in between, but majority of them do do the correct thing. So I just want to point that out. Can I add to that, Micah? Yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, I mean, I used to have that same fear, especially whenever I was first coming into to Torah, especially about, you know, the blood and this and that. But, um, you know, I was able to figure out that there is no blood in in the muscles, in the meat. It's just my globin mm -hmm. once the animal's drained, especially, but even just simply in the muscles itself, there's no actual hemoglobin. There is no blood. Um, what does he you know, have? And, you know, I used to think the same way, especially about, you know, killing animals and stuff like that until I actually, you know, started actually reading more. And then especially after I started doing it myself and, you know, um, and I, I started, you know, believing in the whole Eden diet thing as well. And, um, actually even well before that, you know, I was vegan for three years and, you know, I, part of which was just for the whole, you know, emotions bit with the, with killing animals. Right. Um, but you know, I, I started to come back out of that, especially after reading more and more and even only with 
Genesis, we can see that they didn't just eat plants before the flood. Uh. You know, this is why Abel was raising sheep. And I know people said, oh, it's just for the wool and stuff, but he's clearly offering the sheep. You know, he's yes. taking an altar. They are eating it, right? This is, you know, the law sure wasn't absolutely given 100% in the creation. It was, you know, there was more and more and more given, especially when it came to, you know, marrying your sister or something like that. But um, that full law definitely was at Mount Sinai, but you still see everyone upholding especially the dietary laws well before Mount Sinai and eating meat and, you know, doing these processes and, and, you know, putting offerings on an altar, you know, the priest before. Um, so, you know, at that time, Adam would have been, would have been the priest and you have his sons coming up to, to make their first fruits offering. Right. Um, and yeah, I know people use the whole Noah and now you can, you know, eat the the animals or something as i gave you green herb or something but that was just because he couldn't eat while he was on the boat a little hard to cook on a wooden boat stuff full of animals let alone they're all you know probably fairly young and what have you so you know it was just saying you can eat meat again now that you're off the boat right but if anyone was kind of you know worried about something like that um or thinking it was somehow scriptural i mean i would say study some more um you know i went through all the same kind of things so. and i i, I second that on what he just said that i had the same that's my same understanding too and like and then i'm gonna let jenny go and then but my um but like you said he said look at your bodies guys the the blood is not in the meat right it's in your veins it's not in the meat it's in your veins so just remember that go ahead go ahead uh jenny um, I highly encourage anyone who doesn't have like the agricultural background or anything to to check out Zach Bowers' Nutritora channel. He has several videos where he talks about um, the blood. Um, is one of them. I think I shared it too in the in the yeah. In he the, talks um, about them. Yeah. And he has like a lamb or a ram, like or it's either a ram or a deer hanging up right behind him in the video. He actually has hosted some classes at his um, homestead on like how to butcher and kill the animals, kosher. Um, yeah, and an American homestead. This is secondary channel. Um, he does really good, and he talks about how understanding Leviticus and the pre like the sacrifices is very hard to do when you don't have the um agricultural understanding of like how it's done and then you come to those conclusions of like well we should all be vegan because blood's all throughout and stuff like that um because i when i first come like to torah i thought you had to like only eat well done i mean i already ate all my stuff well done anyway <laughs> but um i was over here like well babe now you have to eat your so well done he's like uh no i do not that's no that's not gonna happen <laughs> and, that's um, an abomination <laughs> janny it isn't it's delicious i know oh, my animal's dead <laughs> i don't want to know that it ever had life so it's all the way like dead <laughs> um you yeah, still know it had life me. It just looks like leather instead of meat. That's the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like jerky, but she I likes want my beef jerky. Well I don't like beef jerky. I really don't. I can't stand beef jerky. 
But if you like well done steak, then you just like juicy jerky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I want my bacon crispy. But I want my bacon crispy. I don't want it like chewy at all. Oh, my gosh. Over here, like, chewy is delicious. That's what he said. All right. Um, uh, yeah, definitely check out Zach. He, he does really good because okay. he's lived it. He's been homesteading for quite some time now, and he really gives you good insight into it. Go to my wife, too. My wife knows a lot. Hands down, knows a lot about ag. Anyone who's ra been raised in a, on a farm or hunt, hunts or anything like that, processes their own meat and stuff from that. Yeah, we... Like my uncles always, when they went hunting, the deer hung for, you know, quite a bit before they ever started cutting into it or anything like so it could drain. Yep. Yeah. All right, Kush. Come on in, buddy. Hi, guys. So my, it's, it's a real quick question. Um, when we speak about blood, because <clears throat> um, yeah now we're we're talking about like oh there's blood in the steak and how do you cook your steak um now as i'm at, only i'm only asking because i don't know when we talk about the blood now if the blood is cooked is that okay or is it talking is scripture talking about drinking like not cooked blood because there's people out there that do drink straight, like out of the throat blood. So oh. that's why they said not to eat anything strangled because then the blood's cooked into the meat. So you're, it clearly we have to, we cannot have any cooked blood in our meat like that. Like, and that's what we we're talking about. That's not actual mm. blood in the gotcha. meat. So gotcha. that's why you said anything strangled and don't drink the blood was because of that because a lot of the pagan practices they would actually take it and now you've seen the movies where they take like the whole animal and they got turned and they didn't like drain they didn't they just choked it you know mm -hmm. whatever and they just turned it on the thing you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and then that's how they would cook a lot of their stuff they would just cook it whole and instead of actually drain the blood out before drain they cook the it they would, eat, oh, I yeah, they would cook it as a whole now i have done commercial salmon fishing in alaska so this is for fish for my people because salmon is a clean fish be careful who you buy from. Funny enough, the smaller uh, packaging companies that do things typically have a higher rating in terms of how they actually do the fish. Because they, I know, because I was the guy who popped gills on our boat, and when and I actually was the one who bled our fish. But companies like Trident. So if you ever buy salmon for Trident, don't because they've got plenty of fishermen who will just throw them in the in the the, the tank. And they haven't had the blood let. Just hmm. FYI to everybody. Trident? That's, is that the only one? That's the one I know of in my head. But Trident is big business in terms of doing a lot of the uh, packing for salmon. Uh, they're probably one of the biggest names. You know, that's um, something that I never I worked, thought about. I worked about. for a small company. Was fish having yeah. blood? <laughs> I don't know why. Girl, I've been on a on a on a deck covered in blood. I've been covered in blood from head to toe from 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 gill and fish all day. It's probably because I don't eat fish. Like I don't if it comes from the water, I don't eat it. So that's I probably the that. I, mean, I barely eat fish and I know that it is I went fishing. Delicious. I love fish. <laughs> it had to help clean it. I don't like the taste of it, playing. the smell of it. Ugh, it's nasty to me. All of finish eating. I love, I love fish. Take a bath. In the, and in the book of Tobit, they had to burn the fish's heart as a way to get rid of the demon that was oppressing that poor lady. Come on now. 
That was one of the hard parts about coming to Torah is like, I used to love going down to the ocean and getting like all the fresh fish, like every type of selfish, everything, everything fresh, needing that. So, cause it's just good. Fish is good. Um, talking about the blood thing that Kush was talking about. So there's a show that I was watching on Discovery huh. where the dude like goes to different yeah. tribes and stuff like that are still like very much like away from society. And uh, there's one that he went to in Africa and they literally have a ritual where the young men, before they go hunt out in the wilderness, they go to the cattle that they have and they pierce the cattle and drain and drink the blood directly from the cow and then rub dirt on the wound. Yeah. Wow. Mixed in milk too. Yeah, they, oh. they did that too. They did that too. But this is the ritual that they did right before they went hunting because they wanted the um like the energy. Anybody want some strawberry cow. milk now? Oh yeah, god. <laughs> that's what was crazy. Like shoot this little arrow and they aim like right to like the the main artery thing and they shoot that and then they run up there and they drink it and then they rub dirt on there to make it stop bleeding. And yeah, I was like, Are you serious right now? Because like, the adrenaline adrenaline that's in it, it hypes mm -hmm. it gets you like it's like a drug. I mean you get oh, that yeah. drug. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that was fun. Go ahead, there, sister. We got a long chapter. That's not that long. Calm down. <laughs> and and I, I'm reading out of the sefer, so yeah, you know. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, "Speak unto the children of Yachshurel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any." of the commandments of Yahweh concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against any of them. If the priest that is anointed to do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he has sinned a young bullock without blemish unto Yahweh for a sin offering. And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yahweh and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before Yahweh. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of the assembly. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before Yahweh, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before Yahweh, which is the tabernacle of the assembly, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the ascending smoke offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And he shall take off from it all the fat of the bullock for the sin offering, and the fat that covers the in inwards, and all the fat that is upon the innards, and Two, and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys it shall it shall he take away as it was taken off from the bullock of sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the ascending smoke offering and the skin of the bullock 
and all of its all of his flesh with his head and his legs and his innards and his dung gross even the whole bullock shall carry forth without without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out shall he be burnt if the whole assembly of yasharal sin through ignorance and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of Yahweh concerning things which should not be done and are guilty even or when the sin which they have sinned against it is known then the assembly shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the assembly and the elders of the assembly shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock for Yahweh, and the bullock shall be killed before Yahweh. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the assembly, and the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before Yahweh, even before the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before Yahweh, and that is in the tabernacle of the assembly and shall pour out all the blood at the bottom of the altar of the ascending smoke offering which is at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and he shall take all his fat from him and burn it up on the altar and he shall do it with the bullocks as he did with the bullock for a sin offering so shall he do with this and the priest shall make an atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them and he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp and burn him as he burned the first bullock it is a sin offering for the assembly when a ruler has sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of Yahweh Elohayu concerning things which should not be done and is guilty or if his sin where he has sinned come to his knowledge he shall bring his offering a kid of goats a male without blemish and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill ascending smoke offering before Yahweh it is a sin offering and the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the ascending smoke offering and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of the ascending smoke offering and he shall burn all his fat upon the altar the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him and if any one of the common people sin through ignorance while he does somewhat against any of the commandments of Yahweh concerning things which are which ought not be to be done and to be guilty or if his sin which he has sinned come in come to his knowledge then he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats a female without blemish for his sin which he has sinned and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the ascending smoke offering and the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the ascending smoke offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof 
at the bottom of the altar and he shall take away all of the fat thereof and the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto Yahweh and the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him and if he bring a lamb for a sin offering he shall bring it a female without blemish and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the ascending smoke offering and the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the ascending smoke offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar and he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offerings and the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto Yahweh and the priest shall make an atonement for his sin as he committed and shall in it shall be forgiven him okay maybe that was a little long <laughs> David's got his hand raised. David, you should talk. Okay. Trying to be polite. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm the kind where it's like, I don't, yeah, anyway. Um, so I, one of the things that really stood out to me when I was reading this at first earlier this week was that God draws distinctions based on where he's placed an individual. Uh, the Kohen, the Kohenim is, is has a greater sacrifice, and it's 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 not that um, you know his sin is elevated so much as God has elevated him to a greater position, and that also goes for the elders because they're the only two in which it must be a bull, and the blood must be thrown towards the holy of holies and placed upon the incense uh, burning, which outside of being the Kohenim. Uh, I found out that apparently uh, lighting the incense was the next greatest honor for anybody who would not be, uh, you know, the Kohen Gadol and, and, and have the honor of stepping into the Holy of Holies. So that also speaks to how God views, because uh, when it says uh, assembly, another way you could look at it is the 71 elders of the Sanhedrin that were, uh, were brought about. So if God calls you to any sort of position of authority, take it very, very, very seriously because he does. Agreed 100%. I also noticed, like, does it stand out to you guys when it talks about, like, um, sprinkling it seven times? Do you guys know, yeah, like, why? Does anybody know? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. There's a lot of significance with numbers in the Bible, too, though. So I know seven is one of the numbers of completion. Three is the first one. Seven's another one. Outside of that, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, other than perhaps it is a direct, complete offering to God's holy presence where it would have rested in the tabernacle. I know uh, seven is also the, the word for oath and generally... In tradition, supposedly, an oath was also repeated seven times. Um, this is also why Beersheba is called Beersheba, is the well of the oaths or the well of the seven. Um, yeah, so possibly. That makes so much sense, Josh. Thank you. 
Oh man, dude. Because literally, like, I've, there's seven feast days, right? And there's seven spirits. And Mary's mouthing. <laughs> there's two feast days that have seven days, and yeah, there's seven seems a lot. So. That's seven cool. days. Good. Also, you know, the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath being the seventh day, it's also, you know, an oath right. to be part of his covenant, right? Also, there's seven colors in the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, I tried That's making it. a list, but it got too too long. <laughs> of all the seven, there's, it's just too long. I know. I was kind of doing like a side study of sevens, but I had to like back away from it for a little bit. So. <laughs> Well, even the, the, the term offering, which is typically used, uh, the, the Hebrew root has to do with uh, drawing near to God. So that's, you know, especially with all of these, it, it's a drawing near to God. Obviously with, you know, for unintentional sins, there's uh, repentance because the sin has created a separation. But I just find it interesting that um, those who have, a greater position of authority have to draw nearer to the presence of God in their atonement, you know, at least physically. Anybody else got anything else to say about this? Lost where we had to go. Anybody has anything else to bring up in here? If not, we'll go to the next chapter. I, I got one question. So I'm just curious if anybody, because I don't, I, I'll be very honest, but is there, what is the difference uh, spiritually or symbolically between a bull, a goat, lamb sheep like a, a, a dove i know that like with, with leviticus one that has to do with like a difference in, in, in financial but i'm also just curious if there's a, a symbolic difference well, i mean i know mentions the sheep and the goats um you know the separation of the sheep from the goats or and there's also the um what was it the judgment of the sheep and the goats there's that much the dove kind of represents the spirit in a sense too uh, god's spirit when it came down like a dove and there's that refer reference to it bull i mean only thing i know reference to bull i mean other than i know it's mullet i mean but any, other than that i don't really know isn't it an olive shaped like a bull that's what i was curious to say olive you say olive yeah it's the beginning of the um Yahweh's name is a bull, right? Isn't that where the olive is? I don't know Hebrew. I just know like that that's like somewhere. The first letter of the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And so, paleo. Yeah, the paleo. It's like yeah. a shape, the head of a bull, and because I know there's like a connection that some have made with the fact that they made a calf at the base of Mount Sinai when they did their naughty business and they were saying like maybe um they did it because of the um some sim what's the word the sim symbolism yeah there you go <laughs> that one and um there you go david there's some answers to it right yes sir thank you <laughs> all right um chapter five who's, who's uh volunteered okay okay nice to meet you Oh, nice to meet you too. Oh. Can you guys hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, nobody hears me. I have a soft voice. But... Okay, so I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. If a person who is a witness sworn to testify sins by refusing to tell what he has seen or heard about the matter, he must bear the consequences. 
If a person touches something unclean, whether the carcass of an unclean wild animal, a domestic animal, or a reptile, he is guilty, even though he may not be aware that he is unclean. If he touches some human uncleanliness, no matter what the source of his uncleanliness is, and is unaware of it, then when he learns of it, he is guilty. If someone allows to slip from his mouth, sorry, I just lost my here, an oath to do evil or to do good, and he doesn't remember that he clearly spoke this oath, then no matter what it is about, and he learns of it, he is guilty. A person guilty of any of these things is to confess in what manner he sinned and bring his guilt offering to Adonai for the sin he committed. It is to be a female from the flock, give either a lamb or a goat as a sin offering, and the Kohen will make atonement for him in regard to his sin. If he can't afford a lamb, he is to bring as his guilt offering for the sin he committed two doves or two young pigeons for Adonai. The one is a sin offering, and the other is a burnt offering. He is to bring them to the Kohen, who will offer the one for a sin offering first. He is to wring its neck, but not remove the head. Sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and drain out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. He is to prepare the second as the, as the burnt offering in the manner prescribed. Thus the Kohen will make atonement for him in regard to the sin which he committed, and he will be forgiven. But if his means are insufficient, even for two doves or two young pigeons, then he is to bring as his offering for the sin he committed two quarts of fine flour for a sin offering. He is to not to put any olive oil or frankincense on it, because it is a sin offering. He is to bring it to the Kohen, and the Kohen is to take a handful of it as its remainder portion and make it go up in smoke on the altar on top of the offering for Adonai made by fire, for it is a sin offering. Thus the Kohen will make atonement for him in regard to the sin he committed concerning any of these things, and he will be forgiven. The rest will belong to the Kohanim, as with a grain offering. Adonai said to Moshe, if anyone acts in properly and inadvertently sins in regards to the holy things of Adonai, he is to bring as his guilt offering for Adonai a ram with, without defect from the flock or its equivalent in silver shekels, using the sanctuary shekels as a standard according to your appraisal of its value. It is a guilt offering. In addition, he is to make restitution for whatever he did wrong in regard to the holy thing. Moreover, he is to add to that one-fifth given to the Kohen. Then the Kohen will make atonement with the ram of the guilt offering, and he will be forgiven. If someone sins by doing something against any of the mitzvot of Adonai concerning things which should not be done, he is guilty, even if he is unaware of it, and he brings the consequences of his wrongdoing. He must bring a ram without defect from the flock, or its equivalent according to his appraisal, to the Kohen for a guilt offering. The clone will make atonement concerning the error which he committed, even though he was unaware of it, and he will be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He is certainly guilty before Adonai. Adonai said to Moshe, if someone sins and acts perversely against Adonai by dealing falsely with his neighbor in regard to a dis dis well, deposit or security entrusted to him, 
by stealing from him, by extorting him, or by dealing falsely in regard to a lost object he has found, or by swearing to a lie. If a person commits any of these sins, then if he has sinned and he is guilty, he is restored whatever he has stole or obtained by exhortation, or whatever was deposited with him, or the lost object which he found, or anything about which he has sworn falsely. He is to restore it in full plus an additional one-fifth. He must return it to the person he who owns it on the day when he presents his guilt offering. He is to bring as his guilt offering as Adonai a ram without defect from the flock. Yeah? Um, we can stop right there, actually. Um, we were just reading chapter five. So. Oh, it's maybe. I got two more. Yeah. Okay. Two more left in mine. You do? Here's chapter five? Mm-hmm. Really? Is there anyone else's like that? Or is it just a complete Jewish study about? Is that the one you're reading out of? Yeah, complete Jewish. Huh. It's interesting. Okay, we'll continue then. I'm sorry. Mine stopped like way That's back. okay. I was like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead and finish it then. Okay. He is to bring as his guilt offering to Adonai a ram without defect from the flock, or its equivalent according to your appraisal to the Kohen. It is a guilt offering. Thus the Kohen will make atonement for him before Adonai, and he will be forgiven in regard to whatever he was, or it was he did that make him guilty. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. You ever stop way back there? I guess that's the way it is. I didn't realize that when I read mine either. I got the complete gist Oh, you do? Oh, that's yeah, I got I got that one too. I'm not reading out that one right now, but I'm reading out HCSB. Thank you very much. All right, so anybody who wants to bring up something oh, first? No, I guess I'll bring it. So it says in chapter 17, I mean, chapter uh, 517, it says if someone sins without knowing and violates any of the Lord's commands concerning any prohibited, he bears the consequences of his guilt. So now you've known he sinned, he was still guilty. So I'll stop. So 517, it says if someone sins and without knowing it violates any of the Lord's commands concerning anything prohibited, he bears the consequences of his guilt. He must be an unblemished ram. So he was still supposed to. I think we do things that are intentionally sinful and then unintentionally sinful that we don't even know that we're doing that it's wrong. I've heard that somewhere. And I don't remember where I heard it from. I don't know if it's the Jewish perspective somewhere I've, I've heard along the lines of years. I don't remember, but. Isn't that like in Hebrews? Sin willfully in um, 1026. So there's no longer, if you sin willfully, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for you. Yeah. So that's my whole point that I was trying to bring up. Kind of like these people, it was because they, they didn't realize they were sinning and they were, they had, they could bring a sin sacrifice versus someone that's just constantly like, I'm going to go against it. I don't care. You know? Now, I'm not even talking about people that are like, don't know, like they're still being deceived. I'm talking about people that like willingly know, like, it's like one of us in here really reading the Torah and knowing and decide, hey, I'm still going to about to murder that person kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I look at it. I just want to bring that up. Or like, you know, you know that stealing is wrong but you take something anyways because that person won't miss it or whatever whatever being kind of like how they teach you in like um in entertainment like it's okay or even the mindset that a lot of people have nowadays where it's like take from the rich give to the poor kind of thing like oh well you know these rich people they have so much like 
it's fine to take their stuff and give it to other people who are less fortunate. Like a Robin Hood type of thing? Yeah. AKA socialism. Or saying, oh, I know the Bible says I can't eat bacon, but I'm going to eat it. Anything else anybody wants to bring up in this chapter before we move on to our next part of the portion? Uh, yeah, one thing. Um, about the two doves, you know, Dave, that you were talking about, David or Dave, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, two doves or two young pigeons. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. And for, I always wondered why those two? Why it's always just the doves and the pigeons, you know, or why is always brings those two up? I've wondered that too. Like are doves and pigeons clean? Yeah. Yes, they are. Any songbird. And which one's the sin offering, and which one's the the burnt offering? Really I think it has to do with their size, because they're probably larger of most, like, clean birds. I mean, other than a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Are you asking which one was used as the sin offering, the turtle dove, or the pigeon? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming because it says, in, I just say chronologically ordered, it, I would assume because two doves and two youngs would be sin offering doves, burn offering pigeons. But yeah, that, I mean, that's the question. And also why those two has always baffled me. He says, uh, seven, then he may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two pigeons for restoration mm -hmm. of his So it was, it was like an either or thing. So it was like, the same uh, bird. They may look slightly different, but they're both doves, both pigeons. Maybe also like a weight thing, because like if you notice, like um, I, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but this just popped in my head. Um, if you notice, like for certain things, they you you do like a super heavy offering, like a ram or a bull or whatever, but like. Um, Maybe because it's, you know, I don't know, like the weight of the offering. Yeah, I kind of wondered that because it it's, be. you know, it's a lamb or two pigeons, right? If you can't afford the lamb. Why they sure. offer up a chicken? They never offer up a chicken, right? Mm. I don't think so, no. It would smell good. Tastes good. Maybe God yeah, it would chicken. definitely smell good. <laughs> Maybe God doesn't like chicken. Pigeon's pretty good. Fried chicken. So I got a question. The oh offering God, that country for me. <laughs> the offering that Mary Mary made in uh, Luke two twenty four says she brought a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So that would be which offering would that be? She brought a turtle dove and two young pigeons. Yeah. Can they use they use turtle doves and I think they use that for the burn offerings too, didn't they? Well, it said that, as it is written, the fellowship too. It said this. It says, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as was written in the law of the Lord: every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord: a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Oh, that's the offering that you bring after um, after giving birth. So, so women have women have that? sacrifice that they have to bring. Um, Where's that at? After their menstrual cycle is over right. and after they've given birth. Right. What's where's sure. that offering at though in the in the um, 
Leviticus. Uh, hold on. Hold on, the birth offering? No, the, the burnt offering also does turtle doves and, or young pigeons. Leviticus 12. Yeah, hold on. There's just something I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking about like equal weights and equal measures, like kind of thing. Like, you know, um, I don't know why this came to mind, but like, so that maybe like if somebody was poor, they could still afford. Yeah. Here we go. Sisters right here. Six. Yep. It says, when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or a daughter, she is to bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon and turtle dove for the sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. And shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her. She shall be cleansed from her issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or a female. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, she is to bring two turtle doves and two pigeons for one, uh, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. So I guess the turtle doves would be the burnt offering and the pigeons would be the sin offering. Hmm. And the priest shall make atonement and for her and she shall be clean. See, she didn't bring a lamb. But she wasn't able to. Isn't She's it poor. also but that... She brought, um, but she brought um, the lamb. <laughs> a, isn't it also funny that a lamb ransoms a, a, a donkey? <laughs> So why why would she have to bring a sin offering for that? I'm just curious. After childbirth, like, because well, she didn't sin. Yeah. Blood. Like... Could it be the uncleanness, being unclean? Well, the women were to... I think the women it could be for like an unintentional sin kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's what the whole guilt offering thing was about, right there. It was just for touching anything unclean whatsoever, if you were aware of it. And that that's when you made the offering. So it even you says any human or person is unclean. So that could be just anything, right? Miss Tammy was gonna say something. Um, Josh just stated, I think it was him. It's for purification. It's for cleansing. Yeah, blood, clean blood. This was especially an issue if you know a man who was to present himself, you know, that three times a year went to present himself. And he had been in contact with someone who was, you know, ceremonially unclean. Then he could get the, the plague, and then he would have to go through a whole process for that again. It's crazy that they always have to. Be, um, it's always the cost of blood, no matter what. There's always blood has to be given for blood, no matter what comes from Yahweh. Yep, life in the blood. All the sin offerings are blood, right? Yeah, they are, because there's no um. Offers, you know, all that stuff. Beautiful. She didn't Beautiful. have a lamb. She didn't have a lamb to bring. She brought a lamb. She brought the lamb. <laughs> she did. She the turtles and pigeons was for the poor. Yep. The Like, do y'all get that knee-jerk reaction when people are like, "Oh, so you making sacrifices in your backyard?" Do you get the knee-jerk reaction that you have to? Um, I got a bite my lips just it away and kind of like make it go away like you're having to justify something for god or whatever like like it's something bad like so i actually found i found a verse 
the other day and I actually posted it on uh, the tick of talk and um, hold on one second let me find it real quick it it, it was really really good um, and it definitely opened my eyes to like how the father would want us to um, deal with things but it's Proverbs 9 verses 8 to 9 and it says do not a mocker or he will hate you rebuke a wise man and he will love you instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning and so i just took that as like like all these people that are mocking us like if we like try to correct them or whatever and they're not gonna listen like they're gonna hate us yes this is the whole point i've been so (laughs) I've been trying to say to people, rebuke the people and on our side yeah. when they're going toe-to-toe with these guys. Don't do that. Just preach the word and move on and let them and hear then, it right. and let That's God right. convict them. We and don't need that. We're not, we don't James, have to. <laughs> when, when those knee-jerk reactions come, like, remember James and, like, be quick to listen, slow to anger, like... We don't need to we don't need to correct them honestly we just keep posting what we post and let them post what whatever they want on our stuff and i find like uh, as long as they're not like being like horrendous even so i don't like blocking people so i won't block a person just because they might see one of my videos and be like whoa and their eyes might open that day you know but and i had that happen she had yeah. a guy that came after her real hard when she, first, when she first got on there. And he ended up liking all her videos later on and coming. That's to her. so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> but what I was getting at is like, how do how do we feel as a group about the sacrificial system? Like, do you feel icky about it? Like, no. do you embrace it as like the, the father? I think it's awesome. And to barbecue he's... with the father. Yeah, for real, it's literally like going to a barbecue, (laughs) like a very clean barbecue. It's one of the most. It's a very righteous cooks doing it too. It's a very intimate thing. I mean, think about how intimate it is. I mean, and we're gonna be doing sacrifices again Mm -hmm. when the kingdom comes. I think that like the reason why before like I didn't understand that like the sacrifice was such a clean thing like i in in my past i had thought you know like a lot of people do um that when they were making sacrifices there was like blood everywhere running in the streets like that it was just this horrendous thing but like not like reading it that's not even close to what it's about like it's so clean and like it just (laughs) it is so different yeah i'm like i think people make a bigger mess like cleaning an elk or like a deer than they would have made you know doing the sacrifices yeah go ahead tapsa oh okay um I was going to say that to add with that, um, my brother-in-law is Muslim, and he um, tells me all the times about their, they showed me a video about when they're sacrificing their 
animals or you know not really sacrifice but they're slaughtering to me it seems sacrificing it was i couldn't watch it i only watched it for two seconds i was like i'm done but um as i they're showing like trying to show me about slaughtering their animals like the ritualistic thing that they did over in near pakistan and i was like this is so disturbing i can't i can't do i can't even watch this this is too much and i think it's just because of our western you know our our culture that we live in you know that we're not used to seeing that or knowing much about that to really comprehend the the sacrifices and what they you know what they did there it's like a normal thing it's part of the world like when i take i mean nothing about taking a life is fun like when you're like like when i take my chicken and i had to kill it and we ate it whatever it's not fun it's a very very hard process to process in your mind whenever you're taking it from going from the yard straight to your table you know it means a lot yeah. more it also gives you a lot more respect for your food whenever you do that right sure so um that's the point we want to get to but we completely butcher all our own animals yeah i've been watching um matthew jansen he's been doing a like series where he's talking about sacrificing and I don't know, it's really open, it's opened my eyes to a lot of things, and it's also, like, hit, hit, uh, um, hit a spot, because I was of the mindset of certain things, and I won't mention here, because I don't want to get into it, um, but, like, it, he's, like, shining a light on it, and in a very good way, and he, he talks about that, too, of, like, how our Western mindset, like, we think sacrifice, and we're, like, oh, they're slinging blood everywhere, and, Right. It's horrible. Poor little animals are just being butchered to death by crazy people, you know. And and it's not that at all. Like it's a beautiful, like, time with the father. And uh, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's why there's so much confusion when, you know, Yeshua went to the cross and they see him as God's sacrifice, but he really. He wasn't a blood sacrifice because that would be against Torah. He he sacrificed himself for us, you know. His blood did. And, his blood just covered us, and yeah, it was the well, payment. He, you know, he covered he covered our sins, and took the punishment that we deserve, but not for us to keep on going on sinning. And that's where people are like, well, you know, Yeshua was my blood sacrifice, and you know, he wasn't a sacrifice like that, you know. It was and, like a mom throwing herself in front of her child, kind of yeah, sacrifice. Like it's like a fireman going to a fire, saving some people, not coming back out. That's what this he did. Why I've said we need to like study the priesthood and stuff because oh, that's how he covers our sins. Is he's our high priest, and that's, that's what, what the high whole, priest did. Well, that's what all this Torah portion is going to be about is the priesthood because Leviticus is going to bring Hebrews. It's going to bring the priesthood here, and I want to bring up something here actually about we all kind of referencing to that it's a uh, 10 i'll go 10 26 in hebrew it says i'm actually gonna pass that i'm just gonna read the actually this whole section because it kind of shows about messiah's blood and the goat's blood whatever kind of so for if a we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation expectation of judgment with the fury of fire about to consume the adversary if anyone disregards Moses' law and he dies without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses how much more punishment do you think that he will deserve 
who has trampled on the son of God. So you profane. So, and then it goes on to say, uh, regarding, I mean, regarded as profane, the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and instituted the spirit of grace for he know, for we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So he's back here saying, if you go on sinning deliberately now with the Messiah's blood, I mean, it's going to be way worse now right. than you trampling the sheep and the goats' blood. So Yeah, because now you because know. He, he Do y'all believe that. that there was grace with Torah or that that was just something that Yeshua brought in? Now, grace well, has always been about. We've always did had Noah, grace. Did Noah find grace? Says. Yeah. Go ahead, Winnie. Um, so, like, Yeshua just reminds me of legit, like, Judah trying to stand in for Benjamin. Like, he said that he would take his brother's place if anything befell him. He said that to his father. And then when it actually came up, you know, he he was going to stand in for him. And so that's exactly what Yeshua did. He stood in place for his brothers and sisters and like took our punishment that we should have it was a righteous man in the place of another you know not to be argumentative but like i just like there's like a a phrase that you use there that i'd like to address um so everybody says like he took our punishment have any of us here committed murder or anything that would entail a capital punishment like where we should be beaten and flogged and i've done sins where i should have been pun i deserve punishment not not that you don't deserve punishment but capital punishment death because not yeah. all sin like not all sin is worthy of the death penalty what about isn't abomination considered a death penalty to what anything that's abominable Holy anything that's abomination is not considered a death penalty right and also I like see where you get the death penalty for eating bacon i don't see that in scripture not um you would die if you didn't celebrate the sabbath yep and also like fornication yep. and adultery like i can tell you those things i've been a part of in my lifetime and those are sins that are sin unto death and yep. so what do you mean by fornication is that like sex outside of marriage because that one yeah. isn't that, that one isn't a death penalty, except for, like, if it's rape, and the man gets the death penalty for that. Otherwise, no one dies in that. But I've actually been reading on it. That's the reason I know. Like, I've been like... But the, but the adultery? What about the two caught in adultery? Mm -hmm. And they only brought the woman to yeah, stone her, woman. but they didn't bring the man. But they were, if they would have brought the man, they would have stoned both of them. Could they have yeah. stoned both of them? they were under roman rule if it was the going on why their, they had to take jesus well, what i'm saying is if it, went under their, if it went under their law because it says that if the man and the woman are caught in adultery you're supposed mm -hmm. to bring them before them and they would be stoned to death that's a death they penalty. also stoned stephen and they were under roman rule yeah mm -hmm. tammy wanted to say something too yes 
Um, don't forget what Yeshua taught us that if you hate your brother in your heart, it's like committing murder. It's the same Come thing. On. <laughs> There's so many times I know these oh. things. What I'm saying though is guilty. I, so I'm a stickler guilty. for getting rid of the bumper sticker phrases that we've carried over from like Christianity. Like where we blanket statement something and we say something catchy because we've heard it over and over again and we're constantly like saying that oh he took our punishment our punishment our punishment like i think it's important to examine and be like well the curse the curse was with the punishment punishment the curse was um, the punishment and just like yeah. they were saying hate in your heart adultery um all these different things we've done i mean I that would consider oh. did they stone people no. for hating someone it like we know there's a spiritual thing to it that's the reason but he elevated so spiritualized so but break like they said break you broke the sabbath then you were at the death penalty were you, in covenant? were you in covenant when you broke the sabbath no but if you were thinking that you were trying to follow christ at the time I'm just saying but were, were you in covenant no you were not full, all right covenant, let, me full rephrase, covenant. let me rephrase that question what does it mean to everybody in here that christ died for the sins of the world to me it means that he took and to me, I really believe that he took the punishment I deserve. And I've been shown grace now to walk this out because I've already failed. And if I already failed, then I deserve the death penalty. Um, what, what does it say? Um, the wages of sin is death. And we'll all die because right. of sin. But what I'm saying is I, I deserve, I should have died a long time ago. But he's given me grace to keep living. And even though in, I'm in my sin nature, I, I now I've come to the knowledge of Torah and his law, his instruction, his behavior. And I don't want to do the devil's behavior no more. So he gives me grace to walk that out. And it doesn't give me a license to sin because I don't want to keep driving those nails in that cross over and over again. And I hear Christians telling me that if I try to keep the law, then... He died in vain. No, he died so I can be set free with the law because it shows me my bondage. And that's what he died for, for all that believe. It says Christ is the the end of the law for righteousness with all that believe. Christ is the goal of the law. He did it perfectly, died on the cross, which he didn't have to do. He didn't have to die. He, he's the only one that did it perfectly and didn't have to die and still chose to die and take the sins to set us free and bring us back closer to God and become our high priest and bring us back closer. And now we now we have a, 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 a high priest that's loyal and he, he makes intercession for us and brings us closer to the Father and is going to sanctify us after our justification, after our salvation, now he sanctifies us in our, our walk in discipleship and he's guaranteed to do that. Because that's his promise if we practice righteousness. Anybody next? I was just going to say, you know, I mean, in more of a literal, practical stance of what these things, you know, are, are kind of referring to, especially a lot of these, you know, what you were saying, bumper sticker phrases, you know, generally most all of them, if not all of them, come from Paul, right? And, you know, again, he kind of speaks in a different way, right? So he says Christ died for us, but 
you know, what does that actually mean? You know, did his death actually do anything or was it what happened afterwards, right? He died at that time because we needed a perfect high priest. We had a priesthood which had failed effectively, yeah. uh, one that was going to, that was exiled, that was going to be gone by 70 AD and we needed a, a, a real high priest this time, someone who was actually perfect, not flawed, who could actually enter the temple, quote unquote, uh, on, you know, through his own blood, even though he didn't literally enter the temple above with any blood at all, right? It's just with that purity, right? Um, he didn't need the, the blood of, you know, bulls and goats and stuff like that to enter into the Holy of Holies, right? Um, you know, he, he died and, you know, was resurrected into his priesthood, so then he can now do atonement for us, right? He took our sins up with him in, in a sense, right? Not literally that he was in our place exactly, right? Because if that were true, because all of those those times where he's especially saying, you know, like Paul saying, you know, the wager of sin is death, death is the second death, right? The wager of sin is the second death. It's being thrown into Gehenna, right? Into the lake of fire. It's not, be, you know, dying in your mortal body. Everybody is, you know, appointed to die, right? regardless of what you do right you're going to die um so he's not dying in our place because first of all we still die second of all you know i mean we can still have the second death if we don't you know endure to the end basically and and walk in that righteousness walk in that right behavior um so, you know, in the same before and after the cross, you know, nothing changed except for the priesthood, right? There's, I know I'm probably, you know, putting a noose around my neck here, but, <laughs> you know, the cross itself didn't actually do anything, right? It was a representation of certain prophecies and this and that, and, you know, it had to follow through because of prophecies and um, that he had to endure that. You know, his sacrifice was him not being selfish, right? Was him choosing to go through with something he already knew was going to happen and to let his life end instead of continuing his life continuing he could have chose to be you know selfish effectively and and ran and hid and stuff and he was doing that actually for a while until he knew that time was to come right um you know he would avoid the crowds he would duck out he would you know uh leave that you know persecution kind of thing and then until he finally just accepted it and because he knew when his time was up and that he had a, a job to do and it just was not a easy doorway into that job right um so a lot of the time when you are seeing something about death even in you know leviticus and stuff like that um sometimes it may be referring to a mortal death but generally it's it's pointing to that second death right um that's something we all have done and that's basically our punishment is that second death whether you were a mass murderer or you did anything without even knowing right um just simply didn't walk out that perfect behavior of the father um so again you know paul's wording is kind of strange which is you know why i made my little documents here so i can put in you know when it's truly talking about the second death i'll put in second right before death you know in little brackets or something um and just, just like with life, even in the prophets and stuff, it's like, oh, you'll have life. It doesn't say eternal life most of the time. But it's talking about eternal life. 
So, you know, context and stuff is key and, and trying to see how things actually work out because otherwise you're talking about him literally dying in your place for something and somehow doing that for millions of people before and after. And, but he didn't get all of those punishments. If you actually look at the law, right? He didn't, he didn't get the, the wager of sin, right? He didn't get the second death. You know, he only, you know, died once. He didn't die a second time. Um, so you sure. know, to not kind of get caught up in some of these like specific phrasings and stuff, which, you know, we've had a lot of influences from different churches and stuff too, because again, you know, it's, it's easy to misunderstand Paul, right? Um, certain things can sound really good on its own and it can preach really well all day long, but at the same time, it can kind of get you lost. So I would just kind of show some concern for for these kind of things especially when it comes to paul or hebrews or what have you that is true though if you think and, about and i ask second... this because it's important when it goes to when you're talking to someone like evangelism type style stuff if you're talking to an atheist or someone or someone who doesn't see anything wrong with their lifestyle when you're like well he took the punishment that you deserve Right. for all your sin and they're like what sin i ain't done nothing wrong i'm a good person da, 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 da. and they're gonna right. rattle on and on and they're gonna be like so this god who i don't even believe in is gonna punish me for something that i didn't even know was a sin like they're gonna come at you hard about right. you giving them this bumper sticker thing and then you also don't want to be selling people fire insurance well right you don't want to go to hell do you because then they're gonna be like oh yeah yeah what do i need to do you know what i'm saying like we want real conversion you want real authentic like a, a heart change in people where they right. crave a relationship with the father. Yeah. And that's, you know, something I'm, I'm going to try to do soon, even on TikTok, is, is show people that they're already doing a lot of his behavior. Right. And just let them know that there is more they can do if they see the benefit of what they're doing. Right. So, you know, I'm sure maybe most people aren't going out and helping the poor and this and that, but maybe they'll be inspired to, if they realize that they're already doing so much of, this good behavior they're not going out and stealing they're not you know cheating over all their friends they're you know so on and so forth you know they're um they're already doing quite a bit of it right i mean especially if they consider themselves a quote-unquote good person right and before we go and start harassing them and telling them all the things that they're doing wrong you know they're they're going to be judged on what they oh, what they know and by their heart right um so theoretically if you just started bashing them about all the stuff that they they didn't know about and then making them want to turn away from that behavior because you just guilted them like crazy then theoretically you could just be ruining their their chance so i mean it could be <laughs> the opposite effect right um yeah and and yeah again you know like you're saying with some of these doctrines of like the fire insurance thing you know it, you know if people understood just even the terms and where people go when they die we all go to you know hell or Sheol or what have you right and we you know wait judgment or resurrection and so if you even explain something like that to them especially if they were concerned like oh what if i don't do this i'm gonna go to hell you say well hey we all do right <laughs> you know you could take the 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 burden off of them and take that that fear away and just show them you know the light side of it here's what happens when you do do these things you'll be blessed with it in this lifetime and especially in the next right whenever the kingdom comes and you'll have this glorified body and you'll 
you know, get to fly around and live forever kind of thing, you know? So, um, I'm just trying to figure out how to, you know, I'm very, very new to this whole TikTok thing, especially, and whatever little things I was doing was definitely not working, you know? So I'm trying to figure out a way that it's going to be really hard for people to attack you if you're just showing that they're already doing good behavior and basically you're congratulating people on doing what they're already doing, right? <laughs> you know, even starting with simple laws, like, you know, if your neighbor's donkey or dog, let's say, you know, gets into your yard, you don't just keep it just because it's on your property, right? You give it back. You make sure it gets back to them, right? And that's what most people will do. Apparently around here, not so much. Some people will keep people's dogs, but um, especially if you know whose dog it is and stuff like that, you know, you know, it's your neighbor's dog down the street, you know, you're going to return it to them, right? You're not just going to keep it. Well, no, it's in my yard. And this is just, you know, general behavior that people understand what to do. And if they knew that was the scary thing called the Torah or the law, then they would be a little bit more open to it instead of saying, Oh, there's all these rules you got to do. And if you don't do it, then, you know, you're screwed, but it, it's not that way, right? We have, we have grace. We have favor for trying to do these things and learning to do these things and just walking out the best behavior that we can do, right? That we know how to do and, you know, continuing to learn how to do better behavior, right? So Agreed. Um, it, it's Thanks. just for me talking to people, you know, it's just kind of changing up my my terms on how how I speak to people. It's instead of um, like I said, even just instead of saying righteousness or this and that, I'll just say good behavior, right? Right behavior, you know, just changing up certain words into something they're more familiar with or something that doesn't have, you know, the same kind of demonized kind of thing when it comes to certain things. Again, you know, even like hell or um, when it comes to, you know, like even just saying, oh, the wager of sin is death, you know, it's, it's this kind of scary thing, right? And it just kind of pushes people away. But you're like, you know, the the penalty for for doing something that is bad behavior or not the behavior of the father because he only does good behavior is the second death. You know, it's being deleted forever and not being able to live with him. But we are fortunate enough that he gave that authority over to his son in order to make these judgment calls and have mercy on us for doing the best that we can, right? So if we show anything close to the behavior that we'll already be doing in the kingdom, you know, you, you do the behavior of just like you follow the laws you're in, in your own country. If you don't do those laws, you either can't be in that country or be invited to that country or you get put in prison, right? Um, so, you know, the same goes, we're, we're trying to do the behavior of the kingdom in order to get in the kingdom, right? And this is why some people will be saved, even though if, they never knew Jesus. They never heard of God. They never heard of anything like that. But in their own country, they were the ones who were the the ones willing to die for others, the ones willing to give their stuff up for others, right? Um, they're, they're showing this really good behavior just from what little law is written on their heart, just from our instinct, right? Um, and, you know, just like, you know, with the sheep and goats judgment, this is the whole thing of what he's he's saying and he's showing an example of his judgment and, and his mercy is like there's all these people that are being saved from the first death they're not being killed off they're going to be the ones repopulating the millennial reign and they're saying hey i i never knew you when did i do all this stuff to you right 
but you know because he was saying oh yeah you visited me in prison you gave me food whenever i was hungry and all this but this is why he says if you do this to the least of these then you've done it to me right he's he's pretending that he's stepping in the shoes of of the meek right of the people without anything and waiting for you to do something um and theoretically maybe some of those people could have possibly be angels playing that part out you know you're entertaining angels in some sort of way um whether that's literally with you know entertaining them with a meal or or you know just showing that that love that the father exemplifies by you know giving to the poor and, and people without something um you know this is just what the whole law is about is about not being selfish so if you told people hey you know the father that created us just wants us to not be selfish and he gave us instructions on how to do that. And you know what? I bet you're already doing a lot of it. Um, and instead of saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to learn all this stuff, and you're doing so many things wrong. <laughs> and, you know, I'm guilty of that because, I, you know, I used to kind of do the same thing. And, you know, I think I even pushed my father away. And, you know, he's he's the, the what do you call it? He's the, the godly guy at his work. He's the guy who sends out text messages every morning to people who don't even believe that even on his own job site he has just no shame in it whatsoever but yet somehow he's turned off to even just a thought of there are things that he doesn't know that he should be following right um even though because the, the way you present to him right right yeah me or maybe his church too and it's it's kind of funny because he even told me about this church that he went to when he lived somewhere else and they had i guess they had a farm or something somewhere or maybe somebody at the church had a farm and they actually left the edges of 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 the crops and only took the one harvest and left all the gleanings and stuff they left all the second you know harvest basically for the 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 hungry and the poor or they would collect all of it you know before it goes bad and then donate it somewhere so they clearly understood some part of the law and they were doing it even if they thought yeah we have farmers that do that here too yeah it's kind of interesting. Interesting. Fields. Um, we have farmers that do that here actually um, yeah i mean there's so much that that people are doing and if if they only knew that this was all a a good thing and a wonderful thing especially like we were talking about earlier with the sacrifices even that word sacrifice is so extremely demonized right especially from i don't know maybe movies or something like this or um talking about how pagan nations and stuff would do sacrifices and it kind of ruins it for the righteous ones where it's you know you're sacrificing something that you worked for which is why some of these offerings and stuff if you didn't have animals or couldn't buy an animal from somebody who had them you could just give that equal amount of money to the priest right you could you're, you're giving something that you work for whether it's money or or your livestock or your crops something that you're not going to get a profit for or get to keep and hoard yourself again it's not being selfish right so you're sacrificing something of of your own work of your own life and giving it up to others really you're donating it to the priest because they don't have any other job and they divvy it out to you know the poor and the widows and stuff like this once they're they get their portion of it right um it's all about just donating and spreading it around to others or you're bringing your your offerings which would then be divided among the people and stuff there too with certain offerings right so you know it's you know like someone was saying earlier it's a big barbecue or a cookout kind of thing you know it's just like a 
like a potluck or something in, in a sense, right? Not literally, but where everybody's kind of giving something of their own and, you know, sharing it together, right? Instead of just saying, no, you know, I, I work for this and I'm not going to give it up. <laughs> you know, this is my money. This is my stuff. I'm not going to waste my time. You know, I'm not going to sacrifice my time to cook something for others or share with others, you know, and, you know, that's kind of the general idea of what I'm seeing, especially even from Leviticus. It's just that is having a relationship with the father is by not being selfish and doing things for each other. Right. Um, you know, people talk about, oh, I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with Jesus. And I never really understood what that meant until I started reading the law. I'm like, that's how you do it. Right. That's how you have a relationship. It's about giving and then you receive blessings possibly but yeah it's just generally about giving right having a relationship requires something going back and forth that was very beautifully said there josh thank you for that um go ahead winnie all right i got a monkey wrench for you (laughs) (laughs) into that beautifully thought out um so i think you know a lot yeah a lot of these like bumper sticker things come from paul but actually like where i'm reading in first john 2 2 it says he is the atonement for our sins and not only for our sins but also for the whole world and so like that was just like one of the things and that's not a paul thing that like i i stay away from paul for now because like like you know paul is so misused and overused to the father like if there's no love there then why are you doing it first of all like that's exactly what like a lot of the pharisees were doing we're just doing all of these things that they've done for so long but like where's the love right like if there's no love then kind of feel like it's a moot point right yeah it's it's all about the heart right and that's exactly what the pharisees were doing they were technically doing a lot of the law at least what was obvious and they were doing it on the outside right right but they didn't have any love in it they didn't have they were just wanting to washed to doing it right they wanted to look like they were doing the right behavior when really they weren't you know which is why you know jesus had to address people about what they were doing in their heart okay you didn't technically kill someone but did you have the intention did you have the thought about it did you have negative thoughts about them at all you know because that's right, not because a righteous James thing. says if you think it in your head it right. can birth to sin right you know it, yeah exactly it's it's that it, it'll start building up and snowballing if you just stay on that that side of bad behavior and you know it doesn't have to be an outward appearance thing which is why he even says to do a lot of these good things and these righteous things without telling anyone right without telling hey look i just donated all this money i just you know helped out all these poor kids or something like that you know it's just do it in private you know um that's one of the plus huh do it out of the kindness of your heart yeah you know and even when it comes to um you know when we when we do acknowledge that we have sinned about something you know we're supposed to you know uh, go to each other if, if we can and go to one person and not just like make a big giant announcement and see if you can deal with it and have each other, you know, atone for each other by, you know, that's actually not only comparing the Septuagint though, that's comparing the Septuagint, Masoretic and 
uh, Samaritan Pentateuch. I really want to look so at that. Yeah, read off really. and it's side by side. And it does take a little while to load those ones. and may have to split them up because they're kind of heavy on the uh, Word document there. But um, it is, it's very useful, though, to see how... Because yes. at a glance, because I'll show you in a minute, um, you can see what agrees and what doesn't agree because I'm basically hiding, highlighting everything, each, each of the verses that don't agree with each other. And then I'm highlighting, say, in the green column, which is the Masoretic, I'll highlight, you know, a, a darker green, and that will show that it only exists in the Masoretic. And then, you know, so so on and so forth for each of the colors, you can see at a glance. And each verse is also um, perfectly aligned with each other, so you can see where there's gaps sometimes. So funny enough, um, can you tell the, me? Can, can you answer this? Why in Jeremiah um, was it thirty-one, or actually, it's like thirty-eight-seven in the Septuagint and the Breton? And then, but it's Jeremiah 31, 7, and the regular Masoretic. They do that a lot. And Why? I've been copying, copying from, uh, what is it called? Bible yeah. Bible Hub or something like that, because they'll specifically yeah. show you instead of correcting those those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, verse numbers, and I can't figure out why it'll show you like that. that. Yeah, it's just whoever came up with the, I mean, they were numbered at different times from different people. You know, they never used to have any numbers in them at all, right? So. I don't know why. Um, and there's it's really like completely anything. it's completely the whole different thing over here. Yeah. It's like completely yeah, flip flop and it's not in the that. same sequence at all. Yeah. And sometimes it's as little as like in one chapter, like the last verse will continue longer and go into yes. the next chapter when <laughs> yeah, it's kind of strange. So um, but in these documents, you can kind of clearly see that, and sometimes I'll actually correct for it. So whenever it goes into the next chapter in the Masoretic or the King James or what have you, I'll have the, that portion that's in the Septuagint copied over to the next chapter. Let so, me ask you a question. Um, what's your belief on this? Is Since you've this is going studied Septuagint right. too, on Passover, do you believe he's come back at the Feast of Passover? Um, you know what? I really can't quite put my thumb on that. There's been so many people that have so many different theories on that, and there are certain things that just sound good, but I haven't really seen a lot of evidence for any of that because all of the feast days seem to show some part of the day of the Lord and not show you when he's coming, which I think it's ambiguous like that for a reason for us to not try to, you know, predict it. Um, I'm just going to have to show you this way for now. Unfortunately, this... What about in Jeremiah um, 38.7 and the Brenton Septuagint? Hold on. I might even have that. Do I have Jeremiah? Probably not. No, I don't. Hmm. I just started to talk about Isaiah. What about the Targums? I'll, I'll uh, have you done any do Targums yet? Um, I have them right here, so I have a whole bunch of links right here. Um, Anyways, there you go. That worked. Perfect. What time is it? It's ten. Yeah, I just want to bring up this one thing. See if you caught this. 
since you've studied the Septuagint. I know a lot of people haven't. I just, I'm curious on your take on this too. Let's see what I have on notes on Jeremiah. I mean, may or may not. Actually, it's going to be 31 here because it's they actually put in the correct way. So yeah, so even it in, says in the main for, document. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It says right here, yeah. for thus says the Lord Jacob, rejoice and exalt over the head of the nations, proclaim the nations praise ye. Say the Lord delivered his people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north, and I will gather them at the end of the earth at the feast of the Passover, and the people shall be got a great multitude, and I shall return hither. Right. And I've heard some people say the Passover or the second Passover. Second Passover would kind of make sense, maybe, but. But wouldn't um, it brought, they didn't clarify that right there in Scripture? That would have been like the second Passover? Yeah, I mean, they would still just call it the Passover, maybe, but I don't know. Um, let's see. I, I doubt I have any. Who knows? I don't know. It looks like I've, I've touched this before. I just saw something. There's a little... Okay, yeah, see, I even have here missing... All of this in blue right here is missing in the Septuagint. Um, so apparently I have been here before. Okay. Yeah, because um, some of them say admitted text, actually, in Septuagint. Yeah, yeah. simply say admitted text, right? So I have that in the main document for anyone who just doesn't want to look at the Septuagint, you know, I use the common thing as the main thing, right? So, um, you know, sometimes if a verse is just clearly different, like most of Isaiah is in the Septuagint, it's the only book that's that I've noticed that is just nine day difference. Everything else and is Job. just a little Job. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Job's, I haven't gone to it yet. Job um, is really, they really yeah. butcher Job. Have any of y'all looked at the Targum? Uh, Aaron, yeah, I have them up right here, but I haven't compared them like this yet. That was supposed to be chapter 31, right? But 38 in the Septuagint? 38 and 7 in the Septuagint. Um, the Breton, if you're going to Masrax 31, 7, 8. So one, one thing that might annoy people on this is I've taken out all the verse numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it has to read like a novel. You can't pick something out of out of context. You can't just pick out a verse and go, oh, I like that, because you have to read it in context. And I have a also, New King James Version Bible that does that. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. I got it from Ollie. Uh, I love it when I'm read? reading by myself, not when I'm like trying to study with other people, because I'm like, I don't know what verse you at, and I can't find it on here. <laughs> Did it say something about Passover in the Masoretic? Or was it only in the... No, in the, in the Masoretic, it does not bring a Passover. Oh, really? Well, that is a yeah. very good point. Um, see, this is why I need other people. <laughs> um, wow, okay. Um, how does that read in the Masoretic, then? That verse? Or does it compare at all? I'm going to have to make a Jeremiah now. So I have a Job. It looks like I don't even have the Septuagint on the Job. Oh, wait until you get into that, buddy. It's it's all it, they they butchered that. Have you seen where came in context went through it? Yeah, dude, they they massacred Job. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's just some things that are just you can clearly tell something has been changed on purpose, right? Um, so here's yeah. an example of the like Genesis right here. So this is yeah, King James Masoretic, right? Mm -hmm. any of the old English, so I got rid of all those old English words. So all your th these and vows, I know people like them, but I got rid of all of them. Um, and then here's your, I don't know if it's clear at all, but here's your Septuagint and then your Samaritan Pentateuch. Wow. So you can read them side by side. 
Um, do, do you use the brain? What's that? Do you use the Brent Septuagint or which version do you use of the Septuagint? And there's like five different ones. They're all the pretty. No. Okay. Yeah. They're all with 98% accuracy here to, um, Lyman actually just pointed it out. I always wondered why there was two different sounding, completely different sounding Septuagints. And I didn't know why this version right here was so wildly different. Um, I don't know if you've ever checked out the site before, but it can be quite helpful. But it uses the apostolic. Um, version of the Septuagint. It comes up. You can share all this too. Share that too. There we go. So you yeah. get Hebrew, Masoretic Hebrew, and then you have your Masoretic text here and, you know, transliterated as well as well as in English and then your Greek and then your Greek translation. So it's very thorough. So if mm. you wanted to study even what the words look like, you can do that. Um, can you send that out to the study? Words like elephant. Can you yeah, send a link to that to the site out too, too, way, Okay. It's up yeah, at the very cool. top of the resource websites list. And then this is from Lyman and some other stuff, Dead Sea Scrolls and parallel stuff, even parallel Enoch and, and Jubilees, which is interesting. Um, so it has all three versions, all three major versions of Enoch. Of Enoch? But, um, oh, I'd like to see that. That'd be really cool. So, so again, you know, just to show you as an example, what's in orange doesn't belong, right? So at a glance, you can maybe figure out which is more accurate, let's say, but sometimes it's just kind of random. Sometimes these will completely agree and this will be off. Sometimes these will completely agree and this will be off. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, or, you know, same with these. Um, usually, the way that these are translated will, will be worded almost exactly the same. Um, mm -hmm. But because they're both coming from, you know, type of Hebrew, but this is coming from Greek, so it's always going to be worded a little differently. But, you know, when it comes down to, like, seven numbers, right, the numbers are always off, especially when it comes to people's ages, right? And all of these ones in orange are, are the odd guy out. That doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It just means it's it's just... Have you, have you figured um, out why they might want to do that? Like why they want to change all the I was numbers? talking with someone here the other day about that too. And I, I'm kind of wondering if it's the same reason for why we don't know certain things is just to make things kind of either for us to be able to search something out, but some of these things could never really be tested. So I don't know. Um, maybe it's just to to not try to calculate when the last day is, you know, like, oh, it's exactly 6,000 years or it's exactly this number or that number to try to figure out when the, the day of the Lord is, right? I, that's my best guess. But, um, you know, even with the Canaan, Kenan or Canaan missing here, I even have the chapters where it talks about him and Luke and Jubilees, um, but it is missing from both of the Masoretic and the Samaritan Pentateuch. These just go wild again with, all the dates and, and things are all crazy off. Um, I even have, when it's specifically about this, I have this document. And I'll have to make some more for more dates here. But this is the Masoretic, Septuagint, Samaritan Pentateuch, Jubilees, even Jasher, and Josephus. And then I have these charts showing the different ages from Adam to Noah. Yeah, you're gonna have to send that over, man. I won't. I want to go in there and play for a while. 
And if you notice, I, I actually have Enoch adjusted here, but that's that's for another time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I like so. when people, I like somebody that does that where they're actually, they're not just putting their own thoughts right. on them. They're actually you're just, you're literally letting scripture test scripture and you're literally letting it speak that's, for itself. That's the idea. I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. And I'm trying to, you know, even whenever I have this theory that will come up or I feel like I definitely believe something, I'll purposely go out of my way to find videos or someone else who has a clearly opposite opinion and see where they're getting their information from and then test it on here and see if it lines up, right? To see, okay, well, they're not taking this into account because I have this note here showing why this is meaning this or this is meaning that, right? Um, so much so that, and where was I even the other day? Sorry, I just wanted to point this out. I didn't know that the uh, Psalms were actually four different, or sorry, five different books. But I separated those the other day because it, they were too big for one document. I had it separated into three, but then I found out that it was actually five books. So I thought that was interesting. Um, awesome. Yeah, and then you know I have some things like the Minor Prophets all jammed together, but I'm starting to pull them apart, kind of. At least whenever I'm comparing them over here, they're all pulled apart. Um, and then I'm going to have to go through the, the New Testament stuff and compare the Byzantine to the Alexandrian stuff, the critical text and the majority text, because there's more than the so-called 16 missing verses that you find out when you Google this kind of thing. There's actually 17 here now because I found more. Um, so I'm adding to the list of the things that are off or missing. And sometimes it's literally just like half a verse that's that's different, right, or missing. From one or maybe, the other. Maybe you should get together with some of the guys in this group and see if there's people that would like to maybe help you out on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody's got something to add to it, right? I mean, there's just yeah. so much information. It, you know, nobody can all hold it in their their head on their own, right? No. no. Um, I don't know. Let's just pull up this. Oh wait, I probably have something up. Hold on. Do, do, do. Let's see what we got. Jeremiah. Got so many things up. Revelations looks like a nightmare. I wouldn't recommend reading it to start with because <laughs> for various reasons, but you know, a lot of people seem to disagree on everything here, but I have like, you know, little pictures and stuff, but you know, not to really talk about that, but you know, even little things like I hate to add certain things and then it gets moved around and then, whoops. Okay, well, you know, Armageddon. Armageddon being an actual location, a valley, right? But it's not actually said that anywhere in a text. So things like that, that's context that you're just not going to find. And here's even a GPS location of where Armageddon is. So you can actually put yourself in that place by actually seeing where these places are. So that's what I'm starting to do is go through, um, if I can find an example here. Go through, or even add pictures here so this is you know what this is talking about about skinning a bull or you know taking apart what an altar would be used as right when cooking um what it means to not split the bird is just butterflying a bird <laughs> right to not cut it all the way in half um certain things like say in leviticus i have all the different offerings all highlighted a different color and they're the same color throughout all the different documents so at a glance, if you're studying, studying a certain offering, um, you could just see it right there at a glance. If you want to know what a turtle dove looks like, there's a turtle dove. Um, things like that. So, you know, at a glance, someone knew. I know this is kind of debated, but um, I don't know if you know that the Urim 
and the thumen, thumen, ermine and thumen, however you want to say it. It starts with an aleph and a tav. Even though it says U in, in T, it's actually A in T. Oh. Because of their Masoretic Valley and stuff, that they kind of changed the pronunciation on that. But um, there's even some interesting studies on what these kind of mean. But it, it's actually the Aleph and the Tom. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And that's kind of overlooked in English because you would never know because it's because it's a U, right? But I have it here just for kicks. Um, and then maybe what it could have looked like if they were stones, even though it doesn't say that they're stones. But, you know, I didn't know what a golden censer was, for example. I didn't know what a censer was, especially if you're not Catholic, you may not know what they are. Um, I didn't know what a sheaf off, you know, was. So for a sheaf offering, right? Here's a sheaf. It's a bundle of grain, right? So little things like that for me help explain, you know, what's going on, right? Instead of having to stop, look up something and then come back, it's all right here. You know, all of that research stays. You don't have to keep re researching right um so that's kind of the idea and you know some of these things can change but they can kind of change together i even have this for an example i have the book i don't totally buy it yet but you know got this guy here but andrew holy stuff but you know if you want to know what a menorah looks like or just whatever it's talking about at that time the ephod the the breastplate the different stones on the breastplate the uh this guy again um things like that. It's not the example I'm looking for, but, oh, and I'm even trying to make a page like this as well, a new tutorial kind of page and kind of like what to focus on, you know, um, what are the, just as simply as possible, you know, what are the commandments? You know, what are all of these things? You, and, is there a way that you can extract that separately from different documents too? How's that? Is there a way that you can extract just that and where you can make um, it just... Or just like a direct link to that oh yeah i mean they're all linked together but i'm saying um, but you could make like just a direct link to take you straight to that oh yeah 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 so you can you can copy any of these links that are right here so okay if you click on it it'll instantly come up with a option to copy so even on your phone you can say go to go to the link or you can just copy the link and they're yeah, all they're all maybe we can get together and work with some people we get some people together we could work on that Right, and that's what I'm so when, for. We need, we need to focus on the, um, we have been saying the babies, the people new to Torah that are just coming into it, you know, how to help them get started. So maybe we could find a way of doing that, you know, working together on that, coming together, um, putting things together for it. Since so you know how to do all the technical things, we just kind of come in and talk about it. It's a bad example. Isaiah. Isaiah is another one I wouldn't recommend people to read. And you can even put that in like a new to Torah or new to, you know, new Bible believer or whatever, right? Um, there's certain things in here, like maybe even like proofs of this guy. Like, who is this guy and how do we know that he was ever even alive? Well, we found a seal in a location that had his name, right? Um, things, uh, somebody was just asking me, oh, I think it was Aaron. He posed this question about Isaiah 22, 22, about the key on the shoulder. And I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, you think of it like a little key, like a house key, but no, that's not the key that they had. It was a big giant thing that you could actually rest on your shoulder because hmm. of how their doors worked. Right. It's just a completely different concepts. So things like that can 
if you don't actually know what it means, then you can start kind of guessing and speculating wildly and start creating teachings off of something you don't even understand. That's amazing what you do there, though. And you pulled, you, know, you got resources to all this stuff that you pulled and everything? Um, probably a lot of it's missing because I didn't start being more anal about it until more recently. But That's okay. Know, they can still go look it up, though. Yeah, That's things right. like this with, uh, like, say, with Paul's letter, I have a warning. Like, hey, understand understand this before you read this, right? And I might even have another thing recommending, like, hey, don't even read Paul's letter until you read read this stuff. So this is just Peter's warning about Paul. And this is why it's warning is this is the, like I was talking about earlier with prolepsis, this actually defines it and gives you different examples here. And then you can kind of, you know, continue reading on. And with Paul, I'm having to go through and maybe it's not on here, but there you go. I'm having to go through and actually add summaries to every little line like this because of how complicated it can sound. Um, and there's an example. So anytime he's quoting something, instead of a cross-reference, um, I'm showing, you know, by having it right in the middle that you know it's a quote, and then you can click on that quote and then actually see the verses right away. So I have them in the Masoretic and Septuagint. Wow. And on the phone, you just have to tap on it, and it'll ask you, like, view comment, and you can just view the comment. So there's it again. You can actually add it in, see how often Paul quotes the Old Testament, right? Quote I, haven't seen, I haven't seen anybody do this this in depth yet neither have i that's why i'm doing it um this is going to be the 613 laws some of them are not even commandments some of them are just statements some of them are kind of like sort of misunderstood and even whoever made this list made a pretty good list and shows that it's not 613 but 689 and they got rid of some of the ones that are kind of doubled up in the traditional 613. And I'm sure you can find more than that because it just depends on what somebody considers a law, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you can even add to this list later and then I'll have them all linked up to where you can go to those verses and this is gonna take way too long. But just so if someone's questioning, hey, what are the 613? What is that? You know, you can, you can have little explanations about them. You can have links to them and then you can have basically them categorize they try to categorize these things but they may not be very good um but yeah that's neither here nor there but hey um, can i ask you a question about that real quick i don't want to get oh, you off topic i know you're kind of uh, like showing all, around all topic now. <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm sorry i don't want to take this all over either but you don't want to what i don't want to take anything over here so you know go ahead and say whatever i mean um or whatever questions you've got I don't want to talk forever here. Um, what you're saying about there's actually like 689. Right. I've wondered about that, about like the 613, because it equals 10. And I, I've wondered if that somehow fits into the Talmud and their their mysticism and gematria. Yeah, gematria, exactly. Yeah, so there's a lot of focus on numbers, right? And clearly there's yeah. the numbers, right? But is it going to be like how many laws there are? I don't know, because do we even know we have all the laws? We don't really know, right? Because I feel like there's right. a lot of stuff missing. So No, I agree. But um, as far as like what is known as to us as the Torah, right? and it fitting neatly into that number package, 
I've often wondered about that. And the thing is, too, is sometimes, you know, things are maybe slightly mentioned in the quote unquote five books or the Torah, right? When, you know, even our Messiah says that all of this is the law. He quotes from Psalms and calls it the law, right? Right. So kind of interesting. And the Psalms teaches us things that you don't see other places. And clearly they either had more information or they had contact with the father somehow, or even possibly the angel of presence. Um, So sometimes, you know, there are extra things or even details on how to follow the laws that are stated here, but they don't even give you instructions here. But the prophets might actually show by just, you know, them doing it instead of like saying, hey, this is how you do it. It's just them showing you by their example, right? So I would even have that information in the 613 list on, hey, here's more information on this. Here's where people are following it. Here's how you can follow it today. How does this apply Mm -hmm. today, right? Um, So that's, you know, again, kind of my example there. One good one to read maybe is Matthew because I spent a decent amount of time on that one. I try to focus on what I thought was the main things and then everybody's focusing on Paul online. So now I have to focus on Paul. Um, (laughs) So I even made this and this is I'm sure another debating topic. Why is there a Z here? Um, This is gonna be hard to read probably on anything but I can try to find the original file and put it somewhere or link to the file on google drive or something um i just made this on the ipad like i said when i was at work um and this goes with a lot of research and this is the difference between the two different bloodlines listed or the genealogies listed in matthew and luke and this is actually in matthew and that i have this little thing right here so i actually got rid of all the text that just says this 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 guy this guy this guy this guy um on yeah, I think I got rid of it in Matthew, but might have kept so, it. So can I ask you another question on that real quick? Yeah. So in your findings, is it true that Jesus is the only one with a provable bloodline? Um what do you mean provable bloodline? You know, as far as documentation in the scriptures. Hmm. Nobody else's um, yeah. yeah, I mean he's the only one that has an actual list um some people associate the the luke one to be married just by a random default and guess right mm-hmm. but it doesn't say that right um and through history so even josephus knew this and apparently through other history as well you can actually find out and using the knowledge of the law you can understand what's going on here especially right here um about what it means to be somebody's son so when a brother can have a son for his dead brother and it's still his brother's son, mm-hmm. even though by law, it's his son. He gets his name effectively, even though they didn't have last names like we do. But even though he was birthed from him and his brother's wife that he took, you know, he would still be son of whoever, right? Whoever, you know, this guy. So I'm not even pointing at this. Um, so there are some things that are, you know, unnamed, like an unnamed wife here. And then it all goes to Joseph, right? And even Joseph, um, technically wasn't you know you know jesus's father right but by law he was right Mm -hmm. so you would have a a literal bloodline and then you would have a legal bloodline Mm -hmm. right so and i even have it right here bloodline and adopted bloodline either way solomon it goes back to david so he's son of david no matter how you slice it he's still of judah no matter how you slice it so um 
that was my way of trying to explain this and just kind of put it to rest until someone came up with a good argument for me. But yeah. Um, but some people get divided on this too. So, and they start to say, Oh no, this is a uh, Mary and this is this and this and that. But I don't know. I think anybody less division happened in that, in that way is foolish. There are Z's in here everywhere. Why are there it's Z's? A very, it's a very foolish act for anyone to divide the body right. over little aspects of things here and here. You know, just because someone believes this and this person believes this, this way, and you're going to divide and break fellowship because of that, it's foolish to me. And that doesn't We were making a, a point on frankincense and myrrh, and everywhere that you see it in a document, I will highlight it in some way just because it is mentioned so often. So just for study reasons, um, yeah. but again, you know, quoting scripture, you know, this is showing Micah, this should have the Septuagint, doesn't look like it does, no, it doesn't, so I have to fix that. Um, so you can usually tell, especially in the New Testament, how they're always quoting from the Septuagint, but not 100% of the time, somehow. Um, you know, again, you can just kind of scroll through and see how many quotes there are, how often does you know, boom, 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 you know, all these places he's quoting directly from scripture. Um, here's the, you know, the quote unquote Lord's prayer. I have that in a different color just to stand out and hopefully some sort of explanation on it, but maybe not. Um, I still kept the traditional red text for his name just because some people are used to it. Um, it does help when you're just scrolling through and you're like, no, I want to see what he said. So I still kept it that way, and it, I have all the dialogues separated, by the way. So if you want to look at a glance, this comes from you know my background in plays and movies and stuff, that this is how I read a script, was you had everyone's name by their dialogue. There was no confusion on who says what. There's no he said, she said in here. Um, you may sometimes see like so-and-so said to so-and-so, and I'll keep that in, but when it's just simply going back and forth, I'll take all the he said she should said out and just say who's who's talking um what is going on someone's been on here probably one of my kids and there's stuff <laughs> everywhere <laughs> sorry i'm just noticing that um dang it i'm gonna have to go check that oh man someone's been messing with this. <laughs> um but yeah, so again, you know, at a glance, you can kind of see what's going on. Um, sometimes you can kind of see obscure references. This is even referencing Sirach, which is kind of interesting. Someone pointed that out to me the other day. Uh, here's a video that I'm starting to put. Of, you know, there could be different point of views with these videos. If someone has a good explanation of what this specific thing might mean, then, you know, you can look at that. Um, here's the, you know, tradition. You might have seen this modified picture online of the seat seats with the grabbing the hem of the garment so you know, I have like little pictures like that someone you know healing the blind and and there's so much stuff that's messed up in here now well we thank you for sharing this brother um yeah cool. that's awesome um, this is an interesting list last thing i guess this is you know listing all the apostles but i have all the other information what is going on can you publish um, it in um discord as like he, he's one gonna, of he's gonna yeah, share it's, it. it's on there a couple times but I'll, I'll post it on there again um what is going on sorry apparently i have to fix this stuff now yeah put in the study, <laughs> but if you put the study notes tab i'll pin it so people can go find okay. it 
Okay. Um, this is just showing like all the information that you can go and find about how many of these guys had so many kids, were they married, where did they live, what was their occupation, what's their Hebrew name, their Greek name, their, you know, whatever, right? Um, even what James means, James is just Jacob, right? Even in Greek, it's Jacobos. Um, so just, just because this is the only time this is an actual list, I decided just to put all this information in here. Um, but... You know, some may argue you're altering scripture or something, but you know, this is this is notes, right? Um, you know, maps to places again, more quoting so many, so many quotes. Um, what a mustard seed is, what a mustard tree can look like, what wheats and tares are, things that people are just not going to know, right? So, oh, that's awesome, stuff brother. like that. I see yeah, what you mean now about how you break it down and it tells a story. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I may have, you know, I don't know if I'm biased on certain things and there's, I'm sure there's a lot of things that I am and there's some things I have to look into that I may not even be comfortable with. I know a lot Every, of people. But everyone, uh, everyone has their own bias. I mean, no, right. no, everyone has a bias. I'm trying to force myself into learning those things, right? Especially when it comes to the Hebrew root stuff when it comes to the learning all the, you know, Jewish traditions and stuff like this. You know, I, I can't just say I don't like them and not know nothing about them, right? But yeah. I can put them here and say, hey, in tradition, by the way, this is what they do. And here's where you can find that information, right? Um, yeah. You know, we can make specific documents about it and whatever, right? Um, you know, everyone's notes in one place, basically. And if, theoretically, if you wanted to, and we... You know, I've even adjusted a lot of these translations and stuff, sometimes because I chose from a, a wonky translation in the past, or sometimes they're just certain translations are just simply worded better. They make more sense in the context, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm using different translations for that. So sometimes yeah. I'll pull from different translations in, in order to get something clear that you can read, right? Yeah. Um, or sometimes when it just simply says two different things that I just can't reconcile together, then I'll just post. You know, I'll, I'll just put a note. Hey, this one says this, by the way. Here's a different view, right? So, you know, if we were to, you know, say, do studies and stuff, theoretically, we could do studies from this. I'm not pushing on anyone. And then we could read from the same thing and go, well, you know, mine says this, or mine's reading this way, or, you know, you're saying this word, you're saying this name, and it's confusing me and throwing, throwing me off, which, you know, I've seen so far. Um, you know, it kind of throws me off a little bit too, but, you know, sometimes even whenever I'm reading, I'll, you know, substitute words even as I'm reading it, you know, even if it says Yeshua or Yahusha or something like Here, that, I'll just, say, no. just to be common. Please. Oh, I don't know if that was Sorry, I'm working on something while I'm listening. But yeah, I mean, I, I've got some other notes ideas here where I just have it like a little category that says behavior of, you know, the father explained kind of thing. So like loving the father, how do you do that? Loving your neighbor, how do you do that, right? Loving your enemies, how do you do that? What is sexual immorality? So instead of going, oh yeah, I remember it was in this book and this book and this verse and that verse, you could just see it all in one spot. So these different subjects that you would like to learn about right away, you know, you could just see it all in one, one document and just share notes on that one thing. And it would all be linked together to the actual scripture, right? So you just yeah. click on it if you wanted to read it from there or 
we could even have it to where it has the notes of what it says in the Hebrew and the Greek. So, you know, it could be a powerful tool, but I feel like it's kind of um, tedious sometimes for people so far. I haven't really got a lot of feedback yet, but I've only recently started to share this stuff. So, Well, you share it. I'll, I'll start looking through it and then I'll talk to you about it. And let me go. Okay. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot to look at in there. So let me go through and just kind of search. You can always just, you know, message me directly as well or just yeah yeah and if you want to talk more about it because i know it can just be kind of a annoying yeah i'll call you directly and talk to you about it and then we can um okay. yeah maybe get some people together maybe we'll work together on some stuff you know right kind of help you out a little bit because it's a lot of work yeah it's exactly what kind of got me to the point where i was just about to quit recently right before i got on this group i got so frustrated with it i got just what am i doing this for you know, I've been doing it for so long and it kind of took over my whole life. I put all of my hobbies or work, all of my, my life's work basically on the back burner to do this just because I, I don't know, it's being pulled to, towards it, you know, so heavily, especially recently. Um, Maybe this is the reason why. After I lost my job and living in a, you know, tent in a shed and stuff like that, I didn't have any access to this. So I was off of it for over a year. And when I came back to it and it was like a flood, and just, you know, it all came rushing back to me and I just got obsessed with it and, and just couldn't walk away from it to the point where my wife said, okay, you have to stop for a week. And even that didn't go very well. You know, I kept getting pulled into it because I kept listening to, you know, uh, videos or people talking. I'm like, wait, what did I put on here? And then I'll go look it up. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I can't even listen to my wife on this. You know, I'm just obsessing with it a little bit, you know, because I know I have that information there, so. It's going to be probably a blessing to so many people who are searching and coming to this and I'll break it down for them in sections so they can digest it. I mean, it, it, right. it's amazing. I'm, I'm hoping. You know, my, my goal is for it to be easy for a new person to read without it being too much hectic stuff, which is why I'm starting to separate some of my information for people who want to dive deeper instead of trying to keep it all in one page. Um, and then for the people who are very well seasoned, they can go through and learn, still learn more or add their information to it, right? Because, you know, everybody here has so much information um, and they're all from a different perspective, different walks of life, different amounts you know, of time. Um, and they can add their even opinion on that, right? You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you can just kind of compare. You can see different thoughts just from reading the scripture because those notes will be there. Um, on the computer, they show up all the time off to the side um, on an iPad and a phone. You have to actually click on the little highlighted light, light yellow stuff, and then the, it'll say view comment, and then it'll pop up. But, so it might not be obvious on a phone or something, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I want to go through that and kind of, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a everyone has a purpose on what they can do, and God gives everyone their purpose on what to do. And your purpose probably is to break down stuff like that and help people with that. Yeah, it, it's gotten a little crazy. You know, I mean, I kind of have an analytical mind. So this is kind of how I, I think, right? And but at the same time, I'm, you know, very emotionally involved person, oddly enough. And, you know, I get still lost in, in reading scripture. And that's why I keep doing this. I'm like, wait, this is talking about this. And then I'll start adding all these notes and all these this big picture starts forming itself and it's kind of hard to walk away from because you're like oh man and even though sometimes it's just talking about the same thing over and over and over which is 
you know, the gospel of the kingdom. It's talking about the day of the Lord over and over and over and over. But yeah, it, I don't know. It's just exciting just to see it where you didn't see it before. And yeah, you get lost in it. And yeah. So now whenever I just go to read it, it's a, just a different experience than whenever I picked up a paper Bible. And especially yeah. knowing that there's different translations, you're like, wait, what could something else be saying? And for me, it kind of always created some sort of doubt or you had to have people in a group that had all different Bibles just to kind of figure this stuff out, especially before, you know, everybody was looking online for things. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So all yeah. my stuff is digital now, but, you know, I have some like old Bibles and I have my old, bible that i had in church which is i think an nsab it's got my name in gold on there and all of that you know i rarely open it except whenever i'm just trying to talk to my wife and she just wants to read something um, but because i've done all this work on here and how i've read it it's just so so easy to read even paul's letters it just starts becoming like a walk in the park You're like, oh yeah it just says this because Especially since, you know, I've personally wrote so many things on here. It's just kind of stuck in my head um, and how to reread through stuff and, and compare and compare and compare. It just gets drilled in your head more than I've ever done in any kind of live study and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's a different experience for sure. So it's not for everyone, I don't think. But well, People like uh, people like to go deep. It's definitely for them. Like for me, it's, I love... I love looking at deep stuff like that where people put their bias to the side kind of and just right. bring the technicalities in with scripture and it kind of gives you a deeper understanding of scripture. I used to have this thing. Let's see if I can open this up here. Micah, you look like me last week talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> you fell asleep and this I was like, wait a minute, what? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of where I got the idea from. This is a quest Bible. Um, and it has all this extra stuff on the side that kind of tries yeah. to explain certain things. Sometimes it just kind of discusses things like people do. Sometimes it actually explains sort of the context, but it might even simply explain what the place is or where other things have happened. Sometimes it just goes through, you know, like philosophical stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I got the idea. I don't like a lot of stuff in here. I guess what it's even based off of NIV. Um, and that's sort of, and that's kind of the same way Sean's um, notes are too. He doesn't a lot of his stuff to kind of a similar way, similar fashion that way. I do still like collecting some of these old things though. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is, oh man, it smells old. Nineteen thirteen. Not as old nice. as I would like. This is actually kind of funny because it actually has dates in here that are calculated somehow, however they come up with them, but it's got different different dates in here. Oh. You do find some odd stuff in certain old Bibles, like uh, uh, Mary Did was showing us the other day with her. predicted in there? <sighs> Who knows? Um, there's, I mean, it's kind of good to even see some of these cross references. This is kind of nice because it's got all these cross references in the middle, even though it's old. <laughs> um, but some of these kind of read in a very old. That might be the English. day they was read. Well, they have like dates since Adam, like the actual date when the events happen according to them, like <laughs> 4,400, 4,004 BC is what they have on there, which is kind of funny. Um, 
I even have this. I ought to take a look at it sometime. It just explains things that are actually that's pretty interesting too. It's a cuneiform thing, um, different archaeology stuff according to specific scriptures on what things were. Um, may not be a hundred percent, but it might be worth looking at sometime during the study. But yeah, I've got a little bit of resources um, and the flat earth stuff if anyone wanted to <laughs> go through that. Uh -huh. but, Flat or even learn Egyptian. I don't know. I've got all kinds of reasons. Or Japanese. I've got stuff on everything. Learn some Thai. Um. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've enjoyed it. Um, by the way, Andrea, I don't think I've met you yet. Nice to meet you. like we uh, lost some people along the way here. Well, I'm going to go. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed, once again, seeing what you got there, Josh, and I'm actually yeah. going to delve into it. Uh, I don't go on, uh, what do you call it, Discord much because it's too busy for me and I get like mentally exhausted, but I would love to research your, your work. I'm very excited and um, thankful pop, for it. Pop in sometimes and just go don't because I don't even get into all the different chats because it's too busy for me sometimes. That's why I have so many people help moderate it. But go into just go in there and see people in the voice chat and just talk and let's just listen to some of the stuff that goes on there. It's really amazing. Some well, I'm old, Micah. You might have to walk me through that. Okay, I'll walk you through it. And you have to come um, see your mother. Oh, come on. You know, I've been working a lot here lately. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, I'm unemployed, so I'm available anytime. If you, you can get a hold of me, even if you leave a comment on that document, it'll email me right away. And I. Can... Oh, okay. That's amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, very, very available. So, any questions you had? Pearl stuff. Yeah, I'm. I've been. I work a lot of hours right now with. I do survey and land survey. We're, we're picking up a lot right now too. So. Yeah. And it's very physical. You ain't got time to sit there and like, I don't have time during the day. It's just busy. So, um, well, I guess we end this tonight. Um, it's been very good. Would someone like to pray us out? I know a lot of people have left already. Aaron or Josh, would maybe I want one of y'all pray us out. No, I will. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, thank you for letting us be able to gather here tonight to uh, just get into your word, Father, and we pray that you just keep guiding us every day, Father, and our walk, and pray that your will be done through us, Father, and pray that you glorify through us, and Father, we thank you for sending your son, Yeshua, to be our high priest, king, and savior, and Yeshua, thank you for all that you did and laying down your life for us and being an intercessor to you, I mean, to the Heavenly Father. Um we pray that everyone just has a blessed night and everyone um, just pull something from this group and pray that you just keep guiding this group, Father, and just keep showing us where we need to go with it and pray that we don't push nobody away and pray that we keep um, walking in the right direction and pray that we don't lean on our own understanding and that you guide us, Father. But we thank you for all these things and we pray for the sick, the needy, the poor, the hungry, the widowed, and the orphan. We pray for the world to repent, come back to you. Pray for the broken, the lost, 
And we pray for anyone that's seeking you and the Son, that they find you today. Through Yeshua's name we pray to the Heavenly Father, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Amen. Amen. All right. That was beautiful. And...